tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. Won't cost you to make a call. Emma is looking after the show today. Coming up this morning, frightening incident in Ross Grey, dominating social media. We'll chat about that in just a few moments' time. More from our listeners on the new pension age recommendation. Listeners' reaction to new legislation where nightclubs will be allowed to stay open until 6am from next summer. Uh, This week is International Brain Tumour Awareness Week. We'll be chatting about that as well. What is pseudo-hunger and can we actually uh, recognise real hunger? I'll be speaking to Muriel Cuddy all about that. Uh, We have a taste of this week's Down Your Way. We'll speak farming to Katrina Morrissey. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp. Going three three double one double three double one. You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. The Irish Examiner leading with the story that the Enterprise and Trade Minister Simon Coveney has accused the international community of turning its back on children in Gaza and said countries must stand up for human rights, even if it's awkward politically. Also on the uh, front of uh, the examiner today, Ireland's poorest communities remain persistently disadvantaged and the gap between them and non-deprived areas is growing. Stark new research has found to the Irish Times and again it's a Gaza story uh, leading there. Seemingly foreign nationals and injured Palestinians have begun leaving Gaza for the first time since Israel launched its offensive against uh, the coastal enclave uh, in the wake of the Hamas attack on October 7th. Also on the Times today, a file has been submitted to the DPP following a Garda investigation into fresh allegations of historical child sex abuse by former Olympic swimming coach George Gibney. Uh, Look at the Irish Daily Mail and a very stark headline indeed. We cannot have mass every week. And uh, the story is that Sunday Mass in every church in the parish will no longer be set in stone. Clerics have warned, as they said, a new era will have to begin. So the stark warning comes as the Catholic Church struggles to uh, tackle declining vocations, uh, falling numbers at Mass and the rising number of priests who are retiring. Finally, a look at the Independent. And they're telling us that taxpayers have been urged to seek refunds they are owed from revenue after it emerged that thousands have overpaid tax. So new figures indicate that as many as 317,000 plus taxpayers gave revenue too much money last year. So there you go now. So have a look at that to make sure you're not leaving money with uh, revenue. Uh, if you want to make comments on any of that, 083-311-3311. Now, if you were listening to our Garda slot yesterday, you know that Sergeant Carol O'Leary told us about an incident in Ross Grey over the weekend. It's something that uh, a lot of people have been discussing on social media. And Councillor Shane Lee joins me now. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, and good morning to your listeners. Uh, thanks very much indeed for, for coming on with us today. Um, Shane, you were directly affected by this incident. Can you tell us what happened? Yes, Fran. Unfortunately, I was um, directly um, involved in the incident. Um, I suppose just to, to set the facts straight from the outset, 
um, on Saturday evening gone. Um, but I and our small committee that was organising an event, the Halloween event that we do every year, um, we're doing a piece of work in Ross Grey in the old Tesco Hall um, behind the Garda station in town. Um, and as we were preparing for the event um, and finishing up that evening, I suddenly realised that the keys of my vehicle had been gone from where I had them in the hall. So myself and one of the other committee members and her kids and I suppose my own little girl was with me on that night and suddenly we walked outside to realise that my car had gone from where I had it parked. Your car was stolen? My car was stolen. Um, and obviously panic set in at that point in time. So we searched the car park in the area and we confirmed that, look, the car had been stolen. Subsequent to that, Fran, I contacted the Gardaí um, to confirm that my car had been stolen. And with that then, I suppose there was many accounts of recklessness is the only way you could describe it um, after that. Um, and of course we're aware at this point, Shane, the two Gardaí uh, were hospitalised in the town after having their, their squad car rammed um, over the weekend as well. And the, the ramming was with your car, was it? Yes, yes, Fran. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm ser- a very sorry and, and saddened um, to learn that you know, with members of on year candidates go out to do their best for our community, um, and with this recklessness that has take, that had took place, we had two Gardaí on duty that are now out injured from work because the victim that stole my car had rammed the Garda car in, obviously in my car. So that's after leaving a huge um, concern amongst the general public in general that. You know, to think that you have two guards on duty um, and because of this, as I said, recklessness, they're now um, off duty because of the incident that took place. And uh, a man was arrested in connection with this, Shane, and he has since been charged and appeared in court, in fact, on Tuesday. So we're, we're limited in what we can say and we, we, we have to be very careful about what we are saying here. But a lot of people just are concerned. W- was this a local man? Just to confirm, Fran, um, and I have to be very careful in the way I approach what I have seen, uh, what I'm saying to you this morning on a local radio station. But to confirm that, it's not a native of the town. Um, and I understand just from listening to what's going on the past few days that the person in question hasn't long arrived in the town. Right. As I say, it's before the courts now, so we, we, we have to leave that aspect of it uh, there. It does, I mean, you, you were, we're talking here about the two Gardaí who have been hospitalised, and I uh, presume that they're, and we wish them well, God knows, as well. But, you know, the amount of guards then looking after Ross Gray, because there's been a few incidents recently, Shane, um, are you concerned over the, over policing in general? Absolutely, friend. Um, I would have spoken to you on numerous different occasions of my concern, I suppose, as an elected representative um, of Ross Gray. I suppose also just to, to say that I'm a member of the JPC, the Giant Policing Committee. Yes. And I suppose as councillors then in the Turles Municipal District, um, we would have opportunities to discuss community safety with Angardi Shea And, you know, I suppose since I've been elected to the council, um, it was probably one of my top um, concerns in relation to the Garda station in town. And I suppose for him just to say that in no way or mean am I tackling the Gardaí themselves in relation to this. Mm. I'm fully supportive of the work that they mm. do on a daily basis. Of course, basis. of course. Um, yes. and, I, you know, and, and you've often made that point to me, Shane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. but I suppose, friend, like like the numbers 
in Ross Great Garda Station and I've been flagging this as I said for quite some time are at an all time low. Subsequent to what happened on Saturday evening, that leaves two more Gardaí that were shot now inside in town. So like there's a massive concern for I as an elected representative and for the people of the town. Um, you know, and like I suppose like something needs to happen and I have been flagging this in terms of balance and fairness. Mm. And you know, prior to ever this absolutely madness as I describe it of the of the way that the, the system has worked now that you know with Ennis and all this type of stuff mm. and, and, and the, the mm. geographic area of, of the place like Ross Gray was under pressure prior to that and now what we've done is we've stretched and stretched and stretched you know and, and it's, it's, it's not fair and it's not good enough and it's not delivering a service like I've said it before friend unfortunately our Gardaí and Ross Gray are like the fire brigade now they only react to calls you know God be with the times when I was growing up in the community where you know, if there was a football event or a community event or whatever the case may be, the Gardaí were always a part of that. You know, and that doesn't happen anymore. You don't see him on the beat, um, you know, because it's just not there. Mm. And I've, all, I, I, like, you know, we have a new super in, in, in our area here in Nina and I've spoke to the super on a few different occasions and, you know, it's, it's much greater than even his powers. Like, this falls with the Commissioner and the Minister for Justice. And I suppose, like, there has been a few different things going on in Rashford over the past number of weeks and months. And, like, I will be calling for an emergency meeting with the Minister for Justice and the Minister for um, Integration because it's just not good enough, friend, what's going on in Osprey. The people of the town are absolutely... They're sick to the teeth of what they're witnessing. Um, and, 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 again, like, the Garda station in Osprey is located beside one of probably the busiest supermarkets in town. And I've said this before, and I continuously will say this. When you walk out that door, the first thing you see in Osprey is the door closed. And that's not sending out a great image to the people of the town. And like people are genuinely, genuinely concerned. And that's down and to resources, Shane. That's Absolutely, yeah, friend. Yeah. And, and again, as I said, is I just want to be very clear. At not for one moment am I targeting the Gardaí themselves in relation to this. I'm, I'm, I'm hmm. being fully supportive towards them and the work that they do within our community. And Shane, can I read into what you're saying to me just a little bit? And this isn't making reference to... You know, the reason you came on with me to talk about your car and that specific incident, as I say, that's before the court. So let's just put that to, to, to one side for a moment. But because you wanted to speak to the Minister for Integration, are there issues between the people of the town and people who have newly arrived in the town? Look, friend, um, I suppose the, 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 the concern that I would have and the concerns that I'm making to you and the concern that I raised the day that Deputy Lowry organised the deputation with the Minister mm. and with the head of the department was about fairness, about balance and about services. Mm. And the three things that I'm saying to you here this morning is not happening. And I, I have to be very clear on that. I, the, 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 the day of the deputation, I was very vocal in terms of the message that I was getting from the people of Ross Grey in relation to the way the town was being treated. And, friend, there's no fairness, there's no balance, and there's no service. And, and that's what I'm saying. And are you saying to me that the people coming into the town, that the resources and the supports are not there, and that's possibly leading to some of what we've been seeing over the last few weeks, Shane? And again, yeah. I, I beg your pardon, I'm choosing my words very carefully yeah. here, as you can yeah. imagine. But is that fair to say, Shane? call a spade a spade. Like, on Saturday night, we had an incident in Ross Grey. Now, I have spoken to the Gardaí about that incident, and my understanding is that it hasn't been reported to the Gardaí. But, like, that was among, amongst um, 
not just natives of the town that would say that. Mm. It wasn't just natives of the town. And, and was that a violent like, incident, Shane? It, yes, absolutely. And that's been circulating on social media as well mm. and amongst the people of the town. You know, and as I said, it, like, it hasn't been reported to Gary, so if it hasn't been reported, they can't act on it. But the point I'm making to you is, with everything that happened prior, i.e. in terms of my vehicle that had happened earlier in the night, like, a lot of stuff had been tied up because you two Gary injured. Um, you know, so, like, there has been a lot going on within the night. But, like, I suppose that's what can be expected in terms of, you know, a Saturday night. And it had been reported in the past tense to me that, you know, there had been other incidents within the town. And um, the word that was used was there was no Gardaí. But, like, again, I, I have to be very careful for understanding that because if it's not reported to the Gardaí, they can't act on it. You know, so I need to be very, I need to be very careful in, in, in relation to that. But I'm just giving you, yeah. but, I suppose, a synopsis of what's happening. But, but I, I guess you're saying to me some, some of the incidents that you're making reference to, Shane, would have happened at peak times, would it? At the kind of times that you'd expect the guardie maybe to be patrolling or to be. Yeah, but absolutely, Fran. But when you have a guard that's covering from yeah, down to, I know. Yeah. You, you know the area, yeah, the geographic area that you're covering. Huge. So it's it's like, in fairness, we like it's not the guardie's fault. And that's yeah. the point that I've said from the outset. Yeah. It's not their fault. It's, it's resources, it's, isn't it? It's, it's resources. Yeah. And it's, it's like the smaller towns, friend, is, is suffering. And, and I'm speaking about Ross Grey in this thing. Mm. Like, if you look at the geographic area of Ross Grey, like, say, 24-hour stations, if you want to call it that for a better word, is Nina, Burr, Port Leash, and Turles. And within that area, it seems to be a free-for-all. And that's the challenge. And as I said, it's when the Gardaí are in Ross Grey, like there was two guard, there was a guard called over from Bursacane on Saturday night. There was a guard, I think, come up from Newport on Saturday night. And where, who was covering them area? Like it's absolutely insane what's going on, Fran. And as I said, is this needs to be flagged? And, and can tonight. I ask you, Jane, this this new system, this new system that the Gardaí have put in place, where the chief super is now in Ennis, and you know we've spoken about this a lot on the program. But from yeah. what you see in Ross Grey, is, is this failing, Shane? Fran, it has failed from day one. Right. It has failed from day one. And, like, I hear members of the JPC on your radio show um, on numerous different occasions. Like, the morale, unfortunately, within the Gardaí and Shia at this point in time is at an all-time low. Yeah. It's at an all-time low. It's like you were trying to go into your station, Fran, and things are not working or things are cutting out. You can't yeah. work with that. Yeah. And, in fairness, they're trying to do their best on what they're, what's before them. And but, unfortunately, it, it, it's not good enough. And the other thing... Uh, that I noticed on social media as well, there, there's a, an incredible anger outpouring from the people of Ross Grey over not only the incident in question, but, but other incidents as well. Are you hearing that from your constituents, Shane? Are you hearing that? Fran, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, it's continuously popping up. Mm. Um, it, and it, are these ordinary, decent people who just have had sure, enough? Is yeah. that, is Ross, that? Yes, absolutely. And the people of Ross Grey are fantastic people. And, you know, the, we play our part and we, we, we have continuously played our part. But it, 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 it's at a point now where it's at breaking point. Like, there's talks of public meetings, there's talks of public rallies. Like, my phone has not stopped. And this is not about me, Frank. I'm an elected representative that's representing the people of the town. So, like, it, prior to anything happening in terms of my vehicle, this has been continuously coming to my attention. And as I said, Frank, I've been continuously banging the drum at every opportunity and every crossroad that I have in relation to what's happening within the town. The Gardaí, everybody needs the support of the Gardaí. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it's out of their control and it's something that needs to be dealt at at a national level. 
Yeah, a listener saying to us, and this is adding to some of the points you're making, Shane, says, good morning, friend. This is not the first instance in the town. There have been quite a number. Uh, we are strangers in our own town. There's no services in the town. And as for the guards, they're viewed as tourists. What's happening in Rosgrey is a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, friend, I'm getting that every other day. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting that. And as that is even with the services, with, say, the ambulance. It's like, there's... Look, I don't want to go into it. I don't want to drag people into the conversation. But, like, everybody knows. The dogs on the street know exactly what's happening. And they're telling me enough is enough. But, Fran, it's, it's about time that the minister engaged um, and something positive becomes of this. Mm. Because the people of Ross Gray are terrific. I mean, they don't take nonsense, Shane. I mean, what Ross Gray stands up that time, they stood up to drugs. They stood up to drug dealing. They, You know, the people of the town, they're... They're, they're not behind the ditch when it comes to getting out there. Are, is it getting to that again, do you think? Well, I, I, I genuinely feel it is. Um, there's a huge amount of anger, as I said, Fran, amongst the people. So, like, in the last number of days, that my phone has been extremely busy in the sense that people are annoyed, people are angered. They're asking for a, a public meeting. They're speaking about a public rally. And, you know, all of this is... is, is and, you know, it, it, Ross Grey has always been a very positive town. You know, and, and it's a pity that this negativity has been brought before them through no fault of their own. You know, yeah. and, and that's the fear. Like, people and, are saying, your town is gone. Our uh, town is gone. This is, what, this, this is what I keep on hearing. And Our often, town is gone. often people who speak up like this, Shane, you know, particularly when it's involving people who are coming into our town, whether it's asylum seekers or refugees or whatever, they're often branded, you know, they're branded as being right-wing or they're branded as being... You, you're telling me this is ordinary people that you would vouch for. Absolutely. Is, Absolutely. And they're Absolutely. sharing their concerns with yeah. you. But, friend, look, the word we're using here in the conversation, balance and yeah. fairness, and we're speaking about services. And as I said to you, and I don't want to stay repeating myself, but the services are not there. They're not there. No matter what we say or do or no matter what way someone tries to dress it up or brush it over, the services are not in place. Yeah, like like myself, you're a car guy. Is your car written off? Well, look, that that's been dealt with with the um, insurance company at the moment, friend. But I suppose just I it would be very wrong of me not to, you know, over the past few days that I had a huge amount of well, I don't want to exaggerate, a huge amount, but I had a number of people that contacted me, um, where incidents had took place within their properties. Mm. Um, so like I suppose this took this incident seemingly had happened for a number of hours, mm. um, and the recklessness of that. You know, it, 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 there's people's private property had been damaged as well. Yes, because and, and just to, in case people think we're skirting over this, I mean, the, we, we can't go into detail on it because it is before, no, before the courts, but certainly it's yeah. been spoken about uh, on social media and we were glad to talk to you today to, to highlight it in as best we could, Shane. Um, so your next step, Shane, just in general, is, well, is the, what? Yes, it, the next step, friend, that um, I would be doing is uh, I'm going to be calling for an emergency meeting with both the board ministers, as, as I had mentioned Um and, and something needs to happen and we need to sit down on the table yeah. and trash this out once and for all and stop the nonsense, friend, because we're in a situation here now where common sense is not common and that's not good enough. And while we speak about services and we speak about everything that you spoke about, my vehicle and whatever, that's fine. But let's not forget, this is about our community and this is about the people within our community. So that's the topic of the agenda for me today. All right, Shane, thanks for coming on with us this morning and look after yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank good, you very much, good, good morning you. to you. That's uh, Councillor Shane Lee speaking to us there. Um, it was his car that was the stolen car in question in that incident that uh, resulted in two Gardaí being hospitalised. Um,
1800 The text and WhatsApp is 083 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, uh, when I was looking at uh, the headlines of uh, the newspapers, uh, over the last uh, couple of days, I was mentioning that uh, the nightclubs are to stay open till 6am from next uh, summer. But Pat was on to us and he's wondering about the benefits of nightclubs opening longer hours. I'm not really entirely sure about that. I think it's mainly uh, where the cities are concerned and they're trying to get them in line with other capital cities around around Europe and uh, the like and also this notion of some sort of a, a staggered if you'll forgive the pun but a staggered exit from these places in other words like at 2 o'clock in the morning you're not putting 300 people out onto the street looking for chips and burgers and stuff so I suppose maybe maybe that's what's uh, behind it. but do you find it interesting that Minister McEntee uh, described the legislation in, in, in question as a priority area for her now maybe it needs to happen I I I don't know, but to describe it as a priority area, I'm, I'm not entirely sure about that. Now, we've been chatting about the state pension qualification age and how a new report suggests that it should be raised to 75 to account for the fact that life expectancy in Ireland has increased. A lot of listeners were in touch with us about this. Let's speak to Nora first. Nora, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Nora, and lovely to talk to you. What What are you making of this recommendation, Nora? Uh, I mean... Is it? Are they trying to just pull more tax in for making us work longer? You know, I mean, I do twenty hours a week mm. on a basic week. Um, the only tax I pay is universal social charge, mm. and I pay one forty nine a week. If I work Sunday, I pay one sixty seven. I don't earn enough to pay proper taxes. And there are millions of people like me who only work a certain amount of hours a week Mm. who don't pay taxes. You know, so is it because they want us to work longer so they can get more money in from us? Because it's not going to (laughs) work. Well, well, according to them, I mean, what what they're trying to do, we have such an ageing population, I suppose, Nora, is what this is about. And eventually... There will be a limited number of younger people paying for the pensions of older people. Now, that's how they're saying it. But, of course, we've all been paying into this bloody thing uh, since we started work, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, as I say, I I mean, there's no way I could work until I'm 75. I've got a dodgy back, mm. you know, mm. I mean, I can't... I've got four years to go and I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same as that. I, I, can't I, I am counting down the days yeah. <laughs> so I can get out of the place, yeah. you know, so I'm not in pain constantly. And are yeah. you in pain? All so you're working through the pain barrier. Yeah, you? Is that what you Con- constant, wow. constant pain. Yeah, yeah. yeah three you... bul- three bulging discs and two crumbling vertebrae. Oh God, you poor dot. Oh, you poor dot. <laughs> God, that even sounds you, painful to me. You've got, you got to laugh because you'd cry otherwise, you know. I suppose you would, but, but do you know, is it a country for I mean, old pe- older people now at this point? Do it you think, always at has all? been. Yeah. It always 
consent. I mean, I am sure there are some people who will go, yeah, yeah I don't want to give up work. Mm. Yeah. You know, I mean, the company I work for at the moment, once we get to 66, we can stay on for another year if we want to. Mm. But after that, we're out the door. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of you companies know, um, are, are, are similar to that, yeah. You know, and I'm sure, you know, other companies will think, you know, well, how much is it going to cost us in extra insurance to have these older people in our company? Oh, that's an interesting point. I hadn't even thought of that. Well, I wonder, you know, would that be reflected in insurance I would, costs? I would yeah. say it would, you know, because obviously, you know, the older we get, the more likely we are to fall or, you know, slip or whatever, you know. And if we do that on our company premises, you know, that's going to reflect in their insurance. Um, You see, that's a very clever point, Nora. That didn't even dawn on me. Is is there anything in that notion, though, that if you defer, if you choose to defer your pension, you'll get an extra few bob of a pension? Does that mean anything to you? No. No. Okay. No. No. <laughs> As I say, got four years to go. Can't wait. <laughs> right. And I, 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 I'm daring to presume here, but with the kind of money you're earning, I presume you're not paying into a private pension, are you? No, I'm no. not. Okay. No. No. Right, so that's not there but as a cushion for I, you either. Yeah. No. I mean, I did. I did think because obviously I've only been living here twenty years. Mm. And I did look into the fact whether I would get a non-contributory pension mm. or a full pension. And when I looked into it, um, you need 500 contributions to get a full Irish pension. And I had 501 contributions. So I will get a you full Irish that. pension. Yes. Yeah. And will you get anything you know. from... I presume it was UK you were in, Nora, was it? Yes. Will, will you get I mean, anything I, from over there? Or will you... It will be minuscule, and they will make me jump through hoops naming all the companies I worked for before I moved over here. I mean, see, obviously some of it I was married, so I was only paying, you know, a married Mm. woman pension, which is like, you know, I might as well have not been paying it. So you won't be made rich out of what you'll get from... No, no, nor at all. I mean... I mean, my when my mum retired from working in the UK, I mean, a part, she had a, a, a private pension from the company she worked mm. with, but her state pension was paid to her quarterly, mm. and she was getting 45 pence a week. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, my God. Because she was a married woman. Of course, of course, of course. You know? 45 pence a week, and it was paid quarterly to her. All right, Nora. Well, uh, you, you know, like myself, you're saying, you know, when you get to that certain age, you'll be off, off into the, oh, the sunset. into the blue yonder. <laughs> <laughs> Look after yourself, Nora. Good nice morning, Margaret. Thank you. Friend. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye, Chitos. Bye-bye. That's uh, Nora there. Let's go to Marie now. Marie, good morning to you. We'll try Marie again. Good morning, Marie. Hi, friend. Good morning. How are things? Uh, the things are very good indeed, Marie. What What about you? What are you making of this whole thing with pensions? And so? You were talking to us about, you know, grandparents looking after grandchildren because of the crippling childcare costs. Yeah, 
like, I mean, I think, like, it's kind of, like, not thought out. It's like, do you know, where can we get more money from? Mm. Oh, we'll raise the age. Like, they just don't think things out. Like, if you, like, and for instance, like, if you look at it, like, a lot of older people or anybody are doing a lot of community work, yeah. and then they want them to work, you know, in a in a job as, as well, like, you know? Like, a lot of, like, it's kind of like, for me, it's like, where is the money going, like, that we pay? Where's our taxes going? Because, like, we don't really seem to have a work and healthcare system, like, you know? And, like, if you look at it, like, I have experience of it. Like, like if you get sick in the morning, God forbid, or whatever, like, mm. you're nearly relying on, like, charitable organisations, which is run by volunteers. And, like, you know, it's like, where is the money going? That Where's our tax money going that they have to come around and say, oh, no, well, you know, I, we're not going to have enough I'd money have for to your say to you, Marie, an awful lot of it is being misspent. And I mean, all I have to do is point you towards what's happening with the children's hospital, for God's sake. You know, it's it's yeah. our money. It's taxpayers' money. And there's no transparency yeah. and it's all being misspent. That's the thing. Like, it's like, you'd love to, like, I don't know if it's available, but like, you'd love to see an accountability book, like, every yeah. year of, well, your money went here or the money that's coming in. Yeah. Like, do you know, where is it going, like? And we should be entitled to see that. Like, not like, oh, you know, we're stuck for money now, like, for who we go after now. It's like the water tax. Asher would put the water taxes on, like, you know, and then for what, like? And it's like, it's mm. like even, like, I don't drive at the moment now, but, like, even your car tax, like, do you know, like, what's it, where is it going? Like, what did it do? Like, you should be able to see where your money, like a receipt system, where mm. your money went, like. You know? Yeah, and that, that kind of transparency an awful lot of people are looking for. The other thing that troubles me a bit, Marie, is that older people are almost being made to feel guilty for living longer, for God's sake, you know? Yeah, and it's like, I don't know, like, just from my own family situation or whatever, like, you know, I don't know there's what services is even there for older people. Like, they're relying on, like, you, I know you talk a good bit about family carers, mm, like, yeah. you know, if someone gets ill or whatever, it's it's the family that has to row in and look mm. after them like, yeah. you know, so and it's like, I had, like, in my own family, like, my mother became unwell and she didn't get any there was no support there from, from government healthcare services, it was like, it was a charitable organisation that came in, you know, and that's all being run by volunteers they're, they're being run by volunteers, like like, it's like it's like, where's the money going? Mm. Like, we're making money in the country. There's, you know, and like they say, you know, and it's 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 really like, you know, like kind of it's so unprofessional the way it is. Like, we're you know we're you know like we must be the laughing stock. Like, we can't even house people. Like, it's like. Do you know, like, I'm in my late 30s now and, like, I've written off, like, I'll never, do you know, own a house now. And, and I think you have to get comfortable almost with that. And have say, you, Marie? Have you, written, I... have you written that off? Oh, yeah, for sure, like. Well, at the moment, anyway, yeah. because it's, it's crazy, like. It's not, and, like, when you go renting somewhere then, like, it's not regulated. Like, you've other countries, like Germany, where, like, yeah. they're comfortable with renting, but they have a, a regulated system set yes, up. For, for long-term renting, yes. Yeah, Yeah, and you get comfortable with it and it's fine, like, you know, it's regulated. Whereas here, it's like, it's a free-for-all, like. And, like, you go, you know, and it's almost like it's a culture then as well, like, within maybe government or whatever, that it's like, ah, sure, sure, it's going away. It's, it's, it's a train that's on its last legs and it's, ah, sure, it's going away. Should we keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. We're fine, like, you know. 
Like, yeah, and do, do you think, Marie, are we very quiet? I mean, when the French tried to raise the pension age to 65, the pe- people were out on the streets. I mean, there was violence. There was, and not that we'd advocate that, but pe- people were incensed, you know? I mean, yeah, like, we're very quiet, aren't we? Yeah, like, I think we are kind of kind of an easygoing, kind of laid-back, ah, sure, sure, it could be fine, yeah, sure, it could yeah. be grand, you know? Like, but I think if if we were allowed to see, like, where's our money going? Well, you know, this person got this salary this year and really get down to the cents and the euros mm. of it and let us see it, like, publish it, like, mm. you know, and let us see it, then then you have more, like, accountability. Whereas now we're just going, going in the blind, going through the dark, like, it's like, you and, know... And when you... I mean, what have we got? Next year we have European elections, we have local elections. Who knows about the general election? It should be the year after, but it could be at any time, I suppose. What, what about somebody your age? You, you you say you're in your 30s, Marie. How how do you look at politics now and politicians and where your vote will be? How, how, you didn't tell me the detail, but how do you look at that? Is that important to you? Yeah, like, I think for sure, like, you'd probably do a bit more work into hold on a second, like, what do they earn per year? Like, I know numbers and figures are bandied about. Yeah. But you'd like to know, what are they earning per year? And what can they, I think someone was saying, yes, what can they do for me or even for the locality? Or what are they doing? Like, are they just driving around and claiming expenses and going up to the doll and falling asleep for an hour? Like, you know, it's like, what are they doing? Like, you don't, like, there's... Well, like, I don't know where I go. Like, I don't see visibility of them, really, like, you know, of what they're doing, like. Are they just travelling up and down on a train and clocking in and clocking out, like? Well, they'd tell you, I'm sure, that they're legislating if they're in government, and if not, they're they're posing opposition to the government. So, you know, but does, to somebody like you who might be struggling a little bit to, to get by, is that any good to you, Marie? Is that, you know... I mean, that's way above, like, the ordinary person's level, like, you know, someone who's, as you say, like, just getting by, like, mm. you know, that's above us, like, it's it's like what services are being provided for us, like, for instance, like, I don't have children, but people who have, who are, like, a couple working with children and they have a mortgage and childcare costs, they can for- they're trying to save, they're renting mm. and they're trying to save for a mortgage, like, you know, and maybe paying care and all this, like, it's, so it's impossible for them. They're relying on on grandparents and older people to look after their kids because they can't afford to 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 look after to to pay childcare costs. And your circle of friends, Marie, people around your own age, would they have similar thoughts to you on this? Yeah, like I mean, we're all kind of in the same boat. Like we're all renting, and you know, kind of, you know, like have a, getting a mortgage, getting money together for a mortgage is is way off, like. You know, you don't, like, you You have a very, like, limited lifestyle, you know, which is fair enough, like, I mean, but, like, it's not, like, there's no, there's no real government, you know, vision or help, like, around it or support around it. It's like you're left to your own devices to go off and deal with banks and, you know, good luck and sure, if you don't, sure, you know, sure, you might stay with a family member, this kind of thing, like, sure, he'll rent you a room there, like, kind of thing. And sure, that's pathetic, like, you know. And are you the kind of person that if a politician arrives on your door, knocks at your door, looks for your vote, are you the kind of person who would make these points to them or would you just say, sure, I'd be wasting my time? Yeah, like, like I probably would pin it to them and say, look, I mean, what what are you going to do or, you know, what what's going to improve for me within the next five years? 
Yeah. Like, if I do give you my vote, like, what, do you know what, I live in, in around the Turles area, so I would say something like, what, what are you going to do for Turles, or what are you going to do for the ordinary person, like, you know? Like, and then they'll come up with whatever, and, like, I know it's been, like, I know it's been, like, for instance, like, like, a lot of the healthcare system down around, like, in general, is being funded by, like, donations. Like, do you know, and it's kind of like, why can't they get their act together? Or is there nobody there to give leadership or direction? Or I don't know, like. And it's kind of like, yeah. do you know, like you can go out and strike or whatever, but it's kind of like the person, the ordinary person, week to week. Do they have time for that? Like they just, like I don't read the newspapers nearly hardly anymore, like because you just, just be like it's the same old thing, like. You know. It's interesting what you're saying because I remember with uh, St. Bridget's Hospital in Carrick and Shore, Marie, um, closed down, of course, as a, as a hospital. But uh, a lot a lot of money was collected locally from people um, for for updating the hospital and for investment in in the hospital. And then it was just decided by the HSE to, you know, well, we're not going to run it as a hospital anymore. Yeah, like, is it, a, is it an imbalance of power? I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, I, for instance, as well, I worked with a doctor as a in a, as a medical receptionist, just privately out or whatever, for a few weeks a couple, couple of years ago. Mm. And he said to me, his comment was, "What are you doing in here? Why don't you go in and work in with the HSE? They're inside drinking cups of tea." Wow. So, like, whereas you, you were know, working like, your backside off, is that it? Sorry. Whereas you were working your backside off, is that it? Yeah, he was like, "What are you doing now here, like?" You know, go inside and work inside in the HSE. Turn inside, drink cups of tea inside. Cool. You know, and that's from someone who knows. Cushy job. You know? Sorry? A cushy job. Yeah, basically. And, like, you know, like, the Irish Raw was known to be hard working or whatever, so it's kind of like, if you go in, yeah, a cushy job, basically. Clock in, clock out. And, like, the HSE is a government, government body, mm. like, is it? A case that hires up, it's the same thing, like, you know. And still like, we hear, Marie, about... The ordinary we, person yeah, we outside sti- who's working and, you know, we're, we're jokes, like. Yeah, but still we hear about the HSE, that nurses and junior doctors, and they're all run off their feet and cleaning staff. I think they're run off their feet by the actual culture in there. That they go in and maybe with a bit of enthusiasm to get work done, and it's kind of like, nah, not today. You know, we'll just tip away today, lads. Because you probably will get so worn down by the system, yes, and by this twenty-four hours, you know, working like that's crazy. Like, like why can't we have, you know, why can't we offer our doctors something, you know, to go for here, to you keep, know, to where keep they can have a nice work life? Yeah. Because let's face it, where are we without our doctors? Well, this is the thing. This is the thing, and a lot of people are experiencing that at the moment, that they're finding it hard to get a doctor and the like. Marie, it was lovely to talk to you today, and thank you for making your point so well. Good to talk to you, Marie. We wish you well. Super. Thanks, Brian. All thank the you. best. Thank you. Bye-bye thank to you me. now. That's Marie. We'll take uh, another break. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now back to that story that nightclubs are to stay open until 6am from next summer. Christine joins me. Good morning, Christine. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Christine. Will you be out all night in your local nightclub, Christine? Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I will in my back. <laughs> it's not for you, is it, Christine? No. Well, but, but once upon a time, it 
would have been like. I just think it's going to be a complete disaster. Like, what's your look? Mm. Why? Why do you think it'll be a disaster? Because, like, going back from when I like going back to my experience when I was younger, like, I'm a stay out till closing time, kind of mm. gal myself, like. <laughs> So I don't know my own limits. I'm usually the girl that's piggybacked out of a nightclub to a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, literally, that's me. So yes. other people, obviously, like, when they're young and stupid, like I was, or am. <laughs> yes. So, like, they don't know their own limits. It's going to cause havoc, like, especially with guards trying to patrol the area, keep young ones under control. Taxi men aren't going to get home on time. It's just going to be a complete disaster, like. And do you see anything, Christine, in the notion that it will stagger the the the, the way you you know at two o'clock or whatever in a city nightclub or half Not two? Not at all, because like you're going to have people that are going to be drinking all night, and then they're going to be like, "Hey, guess what? Nightclub down the road there is open. Man, we head down, and you're already going to be off your head." Like drinks, you know what I mean, and you're just going to want to party more and more and more, and it's just it's it's going to be absolutely chaotic. <laughs> and the other point they make to you is that look, if I go to Paris or I go to Berlin or wherever, I can dance away or drink away until six o'clock in the morning. Does that comparison mean anything to you? Do you think, Christine? No, not really, because like you're on holidays. That's what you do, like when you're on holidays. So yeah. yeah, it's just like it's it's the holiday destination. So. So as far as you're concerned, this shouldn't happen. Well, you know, the minister said that this legislation, it's a priority area for her. So she's taken this very seriously for some reason or other. Yeah, it's just like, it, it, like it, it can be good for the economy, yeah, like financial-wise and everything else. But like, realistically, like who can afford to go out and drink till six, at six o'clock in the morning anymore? Do you know what I mean? Jeannie Mick, I don't know. I I couldn't anyway. I, I wouldn't I, be able to wait. No, like <laughs> now, come here. If it was free drink, I'd give it a rough go. If it's the drinks are on you, friend, <laughs> I'm going. Well, listen to see you being piggybacked out to the taxi. I'd, I'd, I'd nearly take you up on that. Yeah, and, uh, you wouldn't. Yeah, I don't look as good coming home as I do going out. I can assure you. <laughs> would the mascara be running and all of that, Christine? Oh, mascara, the lipstick, all that. Everything be going until you went to shock start friend. Yeah, so you think people will stay out this late? I mean, you could... oh, come here, you can be guaranteed. We're yeah. the Irish. We're known for this. Like, know, you can yeah. be guaranteed this, and it's going to be like people are going to be like, "Oh, you're a lightweight. You went home at half four. No, sorry, <laughs> love, I'm normal." Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, when when you're a mother or a parent, it, the hangover hit differently. So, like, you're going to be in an absolute critical state the next day. So, coming home like at half two. When you're done, your drink there and Nancy's at half two in the morning or the old horse or wherever you're at and mm. you want to get home, that's the time. Like, taxmen are going to be exhausted. They're going to be staying out all night to try and make that extra few pounds. And it's just putting a lot of pressure on them as well, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I remember when this was put forward, first I spoke to publicans and I spoke to some nightclub owners and they said that, you know, outside of the cities, Christine, this is not for them. I mean, the staff payment alone just wouldn't warrant it, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, are they going to give the staff that are working in the clubs extra for, like... But should they have putting to? Up, putting up with them drunken people. They won't. They, they won't do it. I, like, it's, it's Ireland. They'll barely, barely pay you for what you're doing as it is. They're not going to give you extra. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, we're having a bit of a laugh about a few drinks and all of that and when we were younger and blah, blah, blah. But but we do have an issue with alcohol here, don't we, Christine? I mean, oh, if, if, if it's, if it's on sale, we'll, we'll, we'll stay drinking, you know? Yes, exactly. I mean, like, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. I'm speaking from experience. I'm not mm. judging anyone. I mean, mm. like, I hold my hands up and say I did it. If there's drink there, I will drink it. And I and I know the next day I'm going to be like, I, I like, when I'm drinking it, I'm like, yeah, no, I'll be fine. I'll take my paracetamol. The next morning... I feel like I was taking on Tyson Fury in 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 one of the wrestling rounds, like you know. And I don't, you don't learn from it. We just are, we're a generation that don't learn from our mistakes. We we do it again the next day, and like it's going to. That's what young people are going to do. Yeah, so it will make the issue worse then, as far as you're concerned, in terms of overindulgence and all of that. It will because, like, when we go on holidays, when we're abroad on holidays, like, we know, oh, yeah, look, I'm here for five nights. I'm going to go mad for five nights. We're in Ireland. We live in Ireland. We're, we know we can go mad seven nights of the week now. So it's going to, it's like, the generation of people will just stay going mad for the seven nights. But the trouble is, I mean, they'd have to find the money somewhere. So other things will suffer, I guess. You know, so. Yeah, you're going to have people not paying their bills to say, oh no, I have to go out now Saturday night and stay out all night, so I'm going to need money. And I mean, like, drinking this country isn't as cheap as to drink in Spain or Lanzarote or where have you. Do you know what I mean? So you're going to have to, like, that's going to be more as well, like. You have to take that into consideration as well. If you're not having your holiday destination here in Ireland, you're paying Irish prices for Irish drink. Well, of course, even though I think, again, part of um, um, Minister McEntee's thinking is that tourists come here and they're kind of surprised at the notion that we... Well, this is what she's telling us, that they're surprised at the notion that we're closing up at two and half two. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like, if it, let, her, let her go out on a foreign holiday in Lanzarote and pay for the drinks there. You'll have change in your pocket coming home. They'll even give you a few, few drinks over there. When you go out in Ireland... The later you're out, the more they charge you on your card. The more drinks there, it's more expensive. So, like, it's not that, like, it's cheap or nothing like that. So you're paying just, Irish prices for Irish tell, tell, me, tell me that again now, Christine. The, the, the drink gets dearer as the night goes on, does it? Oh, in some cases, yeah. In yeah. Some don't cases, don't don't mention any venues to me now, but, but yeah, no, but, no, no. In, yeah. in some cases, yeah, the drink like you would have places that when the night goes on, you'd see on your cards and stuff like that that you go out, get two drinks and it costs you say 15 euro by the end of the night you're tapping it could be gone up like 18 euro to it you know they put it up to 50 cents a euro or 150 here and there As and I've seen it myself it's happened to me in locations around Ireland like and I have noticed it myself and I have rings of venues and said it to them they're like oh it goes up after and it doesn't like it's just it's, it's what to do because you're drunk you don't realise what you're doing Jeannie Mac, Christine, you're making me feel very old. I didn't realise that that was the case at all. I didn't realise they could do that, but they do, you're telling me. Well, they can't, but they do. So, I mean, like, who's going to stop them? You know, that's the thing, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One one person says in relation to nightclubs um, opening later, it will create wealth and jobs. Other European countries are open 24 hours a day for years with no trouble. Other businesses will open to accommodate nightclubs. will go mad when it's new it's like people are going to take like full advantage of it but like where's the financial cost going to go I mean like in other countries if you think of Lanzarote it's our, I'm just saying Lanzarote because I've been there it's my experience from it mm-hmm. like it's cheap to go out there it's very very cheap here in Ireland it's not it's not cheap it's expensive it's, well, it's high rate drink and, it's, and Marie completely agrees with you and says that girl that's you Christy that girl is absolutely right parents won't sleep they'll be up uh, wondering about work as well for, for the youngsters. Somebody else saying the girl, 
You're, you're the girl today. That's how you describe it. I'm the girl, the, I'm the girl. <laughs> the, the girl speaks the truth and throw in drugs and it's going to be a paradise for the dealers, it says here. So yeah, I mean, like, you know, people, you're going to have people that are out there trying to sell off their, their stuff as well and they'll, they'll be mixing it with stuff. It'll be like, it's just, parents are going to be like, uh, like I'm a parent myself. So, and I mean, like, I, my child is still young, yes, but I dread him growing up in this country with the way it is. Like, it's, it's, I would rather him grow up in a foreign country, sadly, than grow up in this country because of how disgraceful the country is in this day and age. Like, wow, it, it's sad. Christine, I, that's, that's, I, a, I, I, I that's a big, that's a big statement, Christine. Yeah, yeah, it you're, is. You're that I, concerned. I, I yeah, I see the life, like, my, my brother is even, like, hopefully going to, well, I don't mean hopefully, but he hopes to go to Australia early next year, and he, he doesn't talk about coming back, and, you know, I mean, like, I worry, like, my son isn't going to know his uncle, and his uncle has to leave the country because he can't afford, like, you know, this the economy that we're living in here in Ireland, it's better, there's a better life in Australia, there's better living. Even when we were on holidays, the life that's over there is just, it's like a paradise, and then you come home, and it's doom and gloom in Ireland, it's financial stress. I mean, what would keep you here is the question, you know. And I mean, like, it's nightclubs that are opening. That's not going to keep people here. I mean, you put down the price of stuff. You you make people want to live in this country. I worry that, like, say, my if my brother goes to Lanzarote or if my brother moves to Australia and has family over there, will my son know his cousins over there, you know? Well, I well I know my nieces and nephews. When will when will I get to see my brother again? That's what this country is doing to us. It's driving our people away. They think opening nightclubs till six o'clock in the morning is going to keep the country running. It's it's sadly wrong. That's what's wrong with this country, friend. Well, Christine, you're making some great points there, but you're giving me a laugh as well, which is equally <laughs> important. Christine, you look after yourself. Always a pleasure, Christine. And Thank you. Friend, before I go, yes. can I give a shout out to Keith here and Nina for doing great car wash on my car this morning and all the lads working hard. <laughs> you're going to have to get it for free now, Christine. You know that, don't you? <laughs> oh, I all come here, myself and Keith there. We have an old agreement going. <laughs> <laughs> Delighted to hear you. Look after yourself, Christine. Bye bye. And you too. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That's uh, Christine uh, cheering us up in some way and then speaking very profoundly as well. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Deputy Martin Brown was on to say that we were very unfair to HSE staff. That was my chat with uh, Nora. He goes on to say uh, those accusations may be levelled at management, but those on the front line work very hard. The likes of junior doctors, nurses, home helps and carers, etc. Keep our health service going and the whole system uh, would collapse without them. So says uh, Martin Brown. Well, yeah, I'd go along with 99% of that, Martin, but we were talking about... Uh, Nora's specific experience and her specific opinion. And uh, sure, isn't that why we're here? Somebody else saying, Fran, that girl is right. Parents just will not sleep uh, if the nightclubs are open until uh, six o'clock in the morning. Um, the problem with uh, drink prices uh, rising as the night goes on is absolutely correct, Fran. I would have seen that 15 years ago in certain pubs around Clanbell. Nothing new there, says G, who is in Clanbell. Uh, somebody else saying, Fran, people don't even ask how much drink costs. They just pay with their card and they don't bother with a receipt. You're right about that, you know. And I mean, when I do it myself, you really have no idea how much money you're spending. 
you know, you're you're tapping away there, and you then you have a look the next day, and you you're, you're um, just a little put out and upset and all of that. Um, all this is going to do is make the drink problem in Ireland an awful lot worse, Fran, and put more strain on the hospitals and the Garda services as well. John was on to say Garda resources are stretched, uh, ambulance resources stretched, hospital ED is overcrowded, and the minister extends nightclub opening hours to 6am. What a stroke of genius by Minister McEntee, says John, with a tongue very firmly in cheek there. Final one, Joe says... I remember when I left Ireland back in the 90s to work in The Hague, the first thing I noticed was that all businesses were open long before 6am and there wasn't even a grocery shop open in Ireland at the time by 8am. All businesses should be allowed to set their own opening hours. Now, we've been chatting about the state pension and all of that and those recommendations as well that the pension age should be raised to 75. Joe joins me now. Joe, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, Joe. How are you feeling about this, Joe? Well, first of all, I won't get a state pension in Ireland because um, my state pension will come from England. But I do think it's a cheek for someone to tell, a politician to tell someone they have to wait till the age of 75 or 69 to get a pension, when after two to three terms in office, they get a full index-linked pension um, for doing eight to 12 years in politics. Yeah, and do you know, when I knew you were coming on with me, I just had a look at it, and you're right. I mean, it's it's incredible. Even how it's calculated is rather uh, complex. But certainly, um, if a, a TD, for instance, with 20-year service, whose salary is whatever it is now, um, they divide the salary by 40 and multiply it by 20 then, which means that a TD... Um, would be making about, you know, almost 60 grand of a pension. Yeah, nice pension to have. I must admit, a lovely pension to have. And I think... The and a lump sum, by the way, as well. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Of course, yeah. of course. Uh, one of the big bugbears for me is that people are willing to accept it because down through the years, and I'm not talking about a Pacific party, I'm talking about the three main parties in Ireland at the time, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and Labour, right, they have done the same thing year in, year out, and people are willing to vote for them and say, well, you know, my mother and father voted for them, so I will vote for them. And when you look at what has happened in Ireland, when you look that Ireland went bankrupt after the Celtic Tiger and the Fianna Fáil party was in power when that happened, and I do come from a very strong Fianna Fáil family, and a few years afterwards, they were elected back in under a coalition, and people are willing to accept this. Well, you know, in France, at 62 years of age, all right, it's gone up to 64 in the next two years. So at 62 years of age, my brother-in-law retired with a state pension of €2,200 a month. Which is a very nice pension to have. Isn't it a very nice pension? And that that wasn't paying into some sort of private arrangement or something, was it? No, that that was his state pension when he retired at the age of 62, because of what he had paid in, it varies. It can be anything between fifteen hundred, I think, and mm. whatever. But he's he when he got it was two thousand, and now because of the way inflation and that has gone, it's two thousand two hundred a month. That sounds pretty pretty good. I would imagine to all of our pensioners out there who are struggling, I think it's about two sixty five here, as far as I know. But uh, I mean, France would be suffering in the same way in terms of an aging population. 
And, you know, of course it is. Of course it is. But the difference, I think one of the difference, one of the big differences you have, and I heard one of, well, one of your listeners statement yesterday, that people in France do not accept what the government tell us. No. If the people in France are not happy with something, that, and we've had this conversation before, if they are not happy with something, the whole country will come to a standstill, and actually, it'll be more than come to a standstill, they'll cause riots. And as much as people say violence isn't the answer to everything, but I can tell you they will get what they want, and I admire them for it. Yeah, and uh, are you making the point that we're a little bit too... Now, nobody's advocating violence, obviously, well, but are you saying we're a bit too quiet, Joe? The point I'm making, and it's, it, it's oh, yeah, well, we just nod our head and go, that's fine, we just get on with it. Mm. And it's not only it's not only in Ireland, it's the same in England. I mean, my pension, if I retired today, my pension would be £800 a month. I am retired, but I don't get a state pension because I'm 63, so I don't get a state pension until I'm 67. Mm. Mm. But I was lucky I had a private pension, so I could afford to retire. But people just kind of think, oh, well, that's what they're saying. We have to go to 75 or someone said yesterday that starts at 75 and then it'll end up at 69 and people go, oh, that's not too bad. At least it's six years early in one of us. You know, and and yeah. the thing is, you mm. shouldn't, what, you you retire at 69 and you die at 84? You've worked all your life and it's not as if you haven't paid into it. Mm. Mm. You know, we've all paid into a pension scheme by the government, a state pension, by paying your tax and your insurance and everything yeah. else. Yeah. Uh, and then they're telling you, no, you can't have it. But almost people, almost making people feel guilty, Joe, and that really troubles me, you know? Uh, and that's what troubles me, that people, you know, feel uh, I'm doing something wrong while yeah. a member a member of the Dáil can think, well, I'm going to get my pension, and I'm not bringing any party into it, every party, you know, to go, right, I'm gone now, I've done my 12 years, I'll get my nice pension. And ju just to, to add to your anger about that, I'm just reading as well that a TD who has served at least two years as a minister receives a pension based on service as a TD plus a separate pension based on service as a minister, which are calculated on different criteria. The two sums are then added together, Joe. Some TDs have the equivalent of three pensions by the time they leave. You know, and it's the same... I, I, I can't remember. I remember going back when Gay Byrne was doing the Late Late Show and there was a minister on and he was in Brussels. And I can't remember his name. I can see his face. He was a Fianna Fáil minister at the time. Mm. And he said, you know, he said it's very hard, he said, to hold down to... Oh, that, that was P, P. Flynn. P. Flynn, yeah. Padre Flynn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Keep three houses going, housekeepers mm. going, three cars going. It's not very easy. And, you know, I, mean, I, I, I looked at it a few weeks ago, and I thought, you know what? Some people can't keep one house going, one car going, and they're suffering. And here are you, you have the people's faces in it. Yeah, and now, of course, that destroyed him politically at the time. But oh, what I found most interesting about it was that he felt that that was okay to say that, you know, that people well, should he, feel for him in some way. He felt an eye that, that someone could have a go at him. Yes. Now, there's a, there's a lot of politicians out there today, they won't say it, but they feel the same thing. I am entitled to this big, fat pension that I get because I was a TD or a minister. Mm. 
And you, sir, will have to work till you're 69 or 75 to get 800 or 900 euros a month. Yeah, it seems it seems rather unfair. And now, can I can I be devil's advocate and put to you maybe what they might say to you is that well, you know, being a politician is a very precarious job. You don't know from one election to the next you could be sitting on your your ass somewhere. And uh, what about that? And the other thing they always say, of course, unless the salary is 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 decent, um, it's only very rich people will be able to afford to be politicians. What do you say to those arguments, Joe? Well, first of all, I think it's, it's nonsense because for the simple reason is if you were made redundant tomorrow morning, I mean, there's none of us in a job or we're ever in a job that's 100% uh, secure. For because sure. For the, simple reason, for the simple reason is those days have been gone for the last 20 years. Yep, yep. Right? And if you, if you do not deliver what you're supposed to deliver in your job, you will go. Yep. So you're, in no, you're no different than any PD or any anyone else, a senator or a TD, and when every t- TD loses his seat, he still gets paid for a certain amount of months after losing his seat, um, so it compensates him that he doesn't have loss of earning. Right, so you don't feel sorry for them? in, in any... Not whatsoever. You know, I mean, 80,000 pounds a year, or 80,000 euros plus expenses, you know, the, uh, the Irish the Irish Parliament is one of the highest paid parliaments in Europe. It's one hundred and seven thousand, is my understanding, plus expenses. Well, maybe that's what they're on now. Yeah. But it's one of the highest paid parliaments in Europe, mm. uh, and I just think it's crazy. And people are willing to accept it and go, "Oh well, we'll vote him back in at the next election." Mm-hmm. And I think until there's massive change, and and I mean uh, change within the the parliament itself and rules and regulation change and people decide enough is enough, they'll continue looking after themselves. Yeah, and I, I'm just wondering, I mean, to change something, okay, if, if, if it was up to you then, Joe, if you were elevated to some position that would allow you to change this, what would you do? What would you do straight away? The first thing that should be done is that uh, TD's uh, wages should be frozen. And because of the wage they're on, it should be automatically frozen. Well, they're linked uh, to the civil service, obviously. To the yeah, yeah, and there should be an independent body brought in to look at TD salaries. And on top of that, why should you get a pension? Yeah, you you, you don't think that? Yeah. After eight years, is Chip FM going to give you a pension? Oh God, yeah, I, well, I, 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 I absolutely wish, Joe. I wish. Yeah, yeah. All right, Joe, well, really good to talk to you today and thanks very much indeed for coming on with us. That's uh, Joe. What do you make of that? Uh, 1800 The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. All right, lots coming into us. Let me have a look through it and I will bring it to you in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Isn't it bad enough at the moment with all the drink and drug driving? Uh, can you imagine what it will be like if the pubs stay open all night, uh, says a listener. Um, another listener on in Britain. They have an MP for every 100,000 people. We have a TD for every 30,000 people. 
we should reduce the doil by at least 100 TDs. That would leave 68.2 per county. Uh, that, that can't be right. With 16 more allocated to the higher populated uh, counties. It's high time we started the discussion about changing the constitution to reduce the number of TDs. We often see the Doyle Chamber on television and uh, it's half empty with only a few TDs uh, present. Well, of course, as you know, uh, in the next election there will be more TDs voted in uh, to represent us in government buildings. But uh, there you go. Um, Fran, on your show about the lack of guardie for issues on the streets of our town, that is uh, Ross Gray last weekend, um, but a big team of guards on the roads near Thurles last weekend with uh, road checks. And is this because road checks generate revenue? Well, I, in fairness to them, I don't think it's, a, it's about trying to keep people safe, I suppose, as well as everything else. Um, Pat says we have a serious drinking problem and um, it's disgusting watching a film and most of the time excessive drinking is taking place. We also have a political system here where they make the rules the rules even, to suit themselves. All right, somebody telling me about a pub in a town in the West of Ireland and they charged one fifty more after 12 o'clock and that was 18 years ago, Fran. Uh, not sure what it is now, says uh, Barry, but uh, haven't been in a pub for four years. Well, fair play to you. And somebody else rather annoyed this morning saying, any idea, Fran, why every single service you phone up are experiencing high call volumes they place you on hold. This is after they give you the please select blah, 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 blah. It's fair annoying. This is one of our listeners on only three. Three double one double three double one. Anne-Marie is with me. Morning, Anne-Marie. Morning, Fran. And lovely to talk to you today. You, you were telling, We're still talking about this notion and this recommendation of not retiring until we're 75. Tell me about your son, Anne-Marie. Fran, I have three sons. Two of them are in what I would call dangerous jobs. Now, they're tree surgeons, but they're all they are also um, connected with the ESB. Right. Now, when there's a storm, when there's anything going on, I'm at home. It could be day or night and I know my two sons are out in that storm. Clearing away fallen trees, fallen electricity poles with wires attached to them whatever, falling down on houses, they're out on the road. My son's, the oldest chap is 40, the other fella is 38. But friends, they're out mulliking and hauling day and night, day and night to keep everything going, to pay their bills. They don't get as much as a smarty for free. They have to pay their own expenses. And like I said, they're out at all hours. Drop of a hat, they're called, they're out. Now, how can anyone work up to 75 in those conditions? It, it's, it's just horrendous sure, on the body. It wouldn't work at all. It's so labour-intensive, labor Henry. Yeah. That wouldn't work at all. Big time. Mm. Big time. And when they were younger, they were thinking of going off wherever, America, Australia. They stuck around for a while. Sure, like any youngsters, then mm. they got married, they had their families, they have their houses. They are stuck now. They can't go anywhere. And Anne-Marie, I, I don't like talking about them without informing them, but can you give us a sense from them? Are they sorry they didn't go to other countries? Or? Well, 
they're not friends because they're ha- they have their families. Their yes, families are everything to yeah. them. That's mm. why they go out and do it. If they had a job that was, they paid a little less than what they're earning now, not that they're earning loads of money, they're only earning an average decent wage, but it's still only average. But if, they, if their income went down even €100 Euros a week, they would not be able to live here. So it's that tight. They, it's that tight. They, yeah, it's that tight. They would not be able to live here. They don't get a thing for any of their children. They go out working, which for for them, that's what they like. That's what they want to mm. do. Mm. But when, I, when I'm looking out the window and see the storms that they're out in, and what they're going through. And it's not just them. I have to say, it's not just them. Mm. There's builders out there. How can you expect anyone to work to 75? I live in Carrick and with all the work going on, I see all the the chaps working Mm. on those roads in the pelting, pouring rain. Mm. Hard physical work. Getting grounded into the skin. And they can't... And they're still out in it. And I'd be, I'd be thinking to myself, all those people, and they're expected to work till 75. I have another young fellow, he's 23. There, six months ago, he was thinking of legging it off to Australia to his cousin. His cousin is over there with a good number of years. He's doing brilliant over there. Mm. He said he'd never come back here again. Oh, he couldn't afford to come back here again. He'd never come back. My uncle was planning on going over. A job turned up up the country for him. He said he'd take the job himself and his girlfriend packed up here in Clamel. He'd take the job. They moved up. His girlfriend got a, a job up there. After three months, he's thinking, I made a big mistake. I should have stuck to my plans and went off because the job is not paying enough, even between their two wages, the job is not, the jobs are not paying enough for them to be able to live and pay the rent that they're paying, on top of the ESB and all that kind so of thing. So I presume and trying to save for a mortgage is just uh, completely out there, out, just can't. Out can't. the window for the both of them, even with two wages, out the window. And like, and what they're paying on the rent would double pay for a mortgage. Isn't that mad? My God, and, and that's rarely taken into account when you go for a mortgage that uh, that you've been paying, you know, considerable yeah. amount of money with, with rent, which I always find is, is just crazy as well. And when you yeah. look back to our day, uh, Anne-Marie, you know, I mean, none of us were making a fortune, but we could still build a house or we could... Yeah, you know. exactly. You could still build a house. You could still... You could still plan things. Yeah. Mightn't have been much in my case. It mightn't have been much that you'd be able to plan. But you could still plan. You could save a little bit. But like the minute you seem to have a few bob saved in this day and age, something pops up to take it. And what do you say then, Anne Marie, when you hear? Well, look, we almost have full employment. You know, the country is thriving in terms of our the coffers, um, all this money going in from, from corporation tax and all. What what springs to mind then when you hear the boasting about this? When I hear the boasting about it, Fran, I'd, I'd be saying to myself, where's it going? Because like like a lot of other people out there and like my family, 
there's nothing going to them. It's take, take, take all the time. The taxes they're paying is just, it should make you sick, the taxes that they're paying. So it would. And they're getting, and if they went, if they went to the doctor, God forbid, they're fleeced for the doctor's visit, then go to the chemist for their stuff. My One of my sons has colitis and his monthly medication is over 120 euros a month. And because he's working, he's yeah. he doesn't have a medical card or no, nothing. They have nothing. Like I said, they they never they they never got as much as a smarty for free. And not that and it's just as well they never needed it or ne- never needed to ask for anything because they were going to be left on the high and dry because they'd be told, Well, you're working, where's what savings have you? Show show us this, show us that, show us the other. So they don't even bother looking into things. They just plod along. They pay their taxes. I don't know what's going to happen if if they if the government thinks that they can work till seventy five years of age. I don't know. And and I think why they're why they want to push the age up to seventy five retirement is because there's not going to be a young person left in this country to pay taxes. Because what's in they can't get a roof over their head. They're being fleeced week after week paying tax and barely, on top of that, barely getting by from one week to the next, waiting for their wage to come in. It's, it's, I don't blame. Yeah. And if my, if, my, if my third youngster wants to go to Australia, I am going to help him all I can to go there because it's just sickening me to see them going out and slaving, because that's what it's like. Slaving, to get a few bob for yeah. to be taken off of them then. Well, as you probably know, my lad went to Australia a couple of weeks ago, uh, Anne-Marie, and, you know, we're, we're heartbroken over it. But, I mean, even what he's telling me that they're, what they're paying in rent is so much cheaper than yeah. here, you know. And, and, you and what they'll be paid eventually per hour is so much more yeah. than, than, than here. But you see, Fran... I can understand my uncle only moved up the country and I miss him already. Of course you do. But you see, the thing is, if you were at home and you were thinking of your young out in storms, climbing up to the top of trees, to to cut the tops off of trees. My heart would be in my mouth. The tops of trees are going to fall down on someone's house. Yeah, I mean, you have to... What would you prefer? I, I, I suppose the only consolation is they're doing life-saving work, Anne-Marie, and they're keeping us safe, you know. I so, know that, yeah. Fran, but what about their lives? I know, I know. What about their lives? Oh, and, uh, you know, yeah. if, if, if they weren't being... If everything was fair, which everything is not far from it, but if they were getting recognised for the work they do, like a lot of other people if they were getting recognised for the work they do and they weren't being fleeced Mm. by them going out working, doing this work. Do you know what I mean? Well, you you obviously brought them up extremely well with a great work ethic because they could sit on their backsides and they could, you know, take, take benefits and they could have 
medical cards and all of the, the other stuff, you know. I know, not, I know what not, you're saying. They're not brought up like that, you know. N- well, no, but mm. um, like no matter what is said to me, there will be no consolation for anyone to say they're great, you've done a great job rearing them because I'm the one that's thinking they're out in these storms now. They're trying to get through these floods now to move whatever. To keep other people safe. And then the other people don't even know anything about it. Yeah, of course. But like I said, Fran, and I have to say it, it's not just them. There's loads of people like them. There's loads of people like them. And house owners, people where trees are after falling down, whatever. All, all these other people don't even know the likes of my lads are out. I know, and that's that's the the, the pity about it. Anne-Marie, it was lovely to talk to you. And, okay, and, and, you know, extremely eloquent there, and you told your story so well. Thank you, Adia. My best to Thanks, your lads Fran. as well. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Thank you, Thank Fran. You. Bye. Bye. You know. Bye. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Fran, nightclubs open until 6. Before, if you were at a wedding, you could go to the residence bar, but that's all stopped in hotels. Now, do you know what it is? In a lot of hotels, that is stopped. You're dead right uh, about that. Okay, lots more coming into us. I'll take a break. I'll be right back. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1 800 938 007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Your says, my husband is self-employed and uh, like that, works outside in all weathers and has gone most mornings before five, not back until six and is totally screwed over by all the tax. It's just so hard. You seem to be treated worse when you do everything right, says one of our listeners. Uh, Joe was on to us from Thurnus and he says, uh, my advice to young people going to Australia is to live in a camper van, work hard, mind your money and health by an old fixer-upper property in Ireland, but stay in Australia until your Irish property is fully paid off. Well, that all sounds very sensible indeed. On 083 311 Now, Cork Airport has announced its destinations for autumn, winter. And joining me now to tell us more about this is Barry Holland, who is Communications Manager at the airport. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning, friends. And uh, great to talk to you today. It's, it looks to me that it's been a very good year for Cork Airport, where passengers are concerned. It has been a great year. It's been an absolutely great summer. And now we're looking at a very busy winter. And Cork Airport this year is on track to welcome in the region of 2.7 million passengers, which is about half a million passengers up on 2022. So the growth is there and it's really good. And we've lots of new, exciting new routes for the winter as well, which passengers in Tipperary, I'm sure, will be delighted to hear about. I'm sure indeed. But I'm delighted to say, because I'm a very frequent visitor to Cork Airport, um, that even though your passenger numbers are increasing, it's still a very easy airport to get through, Barry. It's still very efficient, Fran. You're talking about maybe less than a 10-minute walk from each of our three car parks. Uh, Security screening process is very efficient. Uh, 99% of our passengers clear security screening in less than 20 minutes. And uh, then you are onwards, literally a short hop, hop, skip and a jump to your departure gate. 
um, and a very pleasant airport experience all round. So that's what people love. That's what people love about Cork Airport is the is the closeness, the proximity, the ease, and the friendliness of it all as well. You have some new uh, winter routes uh, to tell us about. We do indeed. We have mm. some great new winter routes across the likes of uh, city breaks, uh, winter ski destinations, and uh, winter sun. Just to name a few, uh, Ryanair are operating new services to uh, Barcelona and uh, Paris Bove this winter, both for great for city breaks. Uh, they're uh, operating a new service to uh, Seville as well, which was there for the summertime, mm-hmm. but they're now extended on to the winter. Uh, they're operating uh, Ryanair operating new um, service to Fortaventura and to Palma um, de Mallorca uh, for, right for the winter. And Aer Lingus are operating a new uh, service to Leon, which would be great for uh, ski traffic. Uh, later on in the winter and into uh, the earlier months of Very 2024. Good. And and because we were talking uh, this morning about, you know, the difficulties people are having with cost of living and wanting, cheer us up, will you? Give us some sun destinations that we can fly, <laughs> that we can fly to. <laughs> There's a lot of nice ones, friends. Yeah. Valencia in the south of Spain is quite nice. It's a really popular route. It was added on last year, or in tw- early 2022 for the summer season. Such was the popularity and the, uh, I suppose, the demand for the route that it was kept on since. And it's operating around. It's a really great city. It's the third largest city in Spain. A nice mix of coastal um, mm. coastal resorts and city as well. Tenerife is uh, is back on for the winter with Aer Lingus and Ryanair are also operating it there as well. And there's nothing like the Canaries in the depth of winter when you're out looking for a bit of heat. And we actually have connectivity now to all the Canary Islands uh, with Fortaventura being added on as well. So it's really good. Faro in, in the Algarve is always a very popular choice. And Lanzarote, both uh, Ryanair and Aer Lingus are operating services right throughout the winter down to Lanzarote. So there's some really, really good sun destinations there as well. We've become really fond of the city break. I tried one myself earlier on uh, this year, Barry. What what options do we have from Cork Airport? Well, it's interesting you say that, Fran, yeah, because we've, we've, we've seen the same in our research as well, that people uh, aren't necessarily going on the big two-week holiday anymore. They're mm. kind of going on a summer holiday for a week and then splitting up maybe a little break in the springtime, a little break in the wintertime. There's some great winter uh, city break destinations and particularly ones with Christmas markets, etc. Yeah. And, you know, that's a popular choice at this time of year. Edinburgh is a good one and a Ryanair flight to Edinburgh daily during the winter as well. Amsterdam, we have both Aer Lingus and KLM flying over to Amsterdam, which is a gorgeous city in winter as well and some lovely Christmas markets there. Then we have the likes of, uh, I mentioned Paris already, Rome. Ryanair flying to Rome three times a week from Cork Airport right into Rome, Fiumicino Airport. So it's, and again, another beautiful city to visit. And then and Barcelona and Venice, both with Ryanair as well. So there's some really nice opportunities there. And the timings are great. You know, people are able to walk in three or four days of a city break. You know, not necessarily take too long of time off, but also just to get that nice break in the middle of the winter and escape the, the dull and the gloomy Irish weather. Of course. Now, speaking of winter, I've never tried skiing, but you've got some skiing uh, destinations from Cork as well, have you? Ski, the ski um, holidays have become as, uh, as popular as ever and we really see an increase in the traffic for ski post-Christmas. In fact, the three uh, ski routes that are operating now with Aer Lingus uh, are Leon, Munich and Salzburg and they all start uh, in and around the Christmas, uh, I think Christmas Eve to be precise, and then they operate weekly right through to the end of March. So what they do is they provide access to various parts of the Alps, uh, Leon in from France to places like Chamonix, Thien and Val Thorens, Munich then as well, there's some great transfers from Munich then into the Alps and Salzburg um, are certainly another more established ski route. So again, each of them are operating on Saturdays right from the end of December until the end of March and they offer great access into the, the, French, Alps, the, French, Alps, the French Alps, Swiss Alps, German Alps, whatever it is, all the way along there. 
and there's some really great ski resorts along there. And uh, again, we're delighted to have those um, those th- those routes, and especially the new one with Erlingus to Leon this winter. I'd love to try it for sure. Um, what what about? I mean, are you back uh, to pre-COVID numbers of passengers, or are you ahead of that at this point, Barry? We're actually we, we're back and, and edging ahead of it now, Fran. At this stage, in 2019, Cork Airport welcomed a total of 2.6 million passengers. We're going to be about 100,000 ahead of that now with 2.7 million forecast for 2023. Perhaps even if the winter if the winter goes well, we might even uh, go above the 2.7, which is great. So thankfully, we have recovered extremely strongly post-pandemic. I think Irish airports in general have given to the fact, you know, part of the fact that we're on an island, but also as well that Irish people love to travel and you know, we all love to get away for whether it's for warm weather or for city break or even you know, for a ski, um, a ski uh, holiday in the wintertime. We just love to get away and it's great to see it too. Now, the the, the only issue I would have is a selfish one because we're, we're so used to Cork Airport and we can come and go fairly quickly as well. If you keep increasing numbers, are, are we going to see some delays there, Barry? Is that... Not, 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 not at all, Fran. And more recently, we've been, we've been recruiting for for uh, aviation, our, um, our airport search unit officers here at the airport for security team. We have a great security team here at the airport as well, and very friendly team, and you know are always always um, happy to assist and to make passengers feel at ease when they're traveling. We're actually we're recruiting there recently enough for us, and we'll be adding on more. So we, despite the fact that we are increasing our passenger numbers, be rest assured that we'll be keeping our, our watchful eye on making sure that all our passengers get through security nice and easy, that there's going to be you know, the car are nice and close and that the airport experience is still as nice as ever. Just as well not to forget for people in Tipperary, we're only an hour from Cashland, Clanbell and then 90 minutes from Thorless and down the M8 and when the Duncastle interchange is completed, to make it even faster again. Don't, to mention, get down to don't, don't mention the Don Kettle interchange, <laughs> for God's sake. Um, uh, just in case that we, we ran through stuff fairly quickly there, I presume people can go online and see about those new winter routes and the sun destinations. They can indeed. Well. On to corkairport.com and you'll find the link to our destinations page on the homepage or even just Google search Cork Airport Destinations, you'll find us there, and it includes all the destinations, and you're able to filter through whether it is a sun holiday, whether it is a city break, or whether it's a winter ski destination you want to go on, and it's nice and handy. All right, well, we can dream about sun and sand anyway at this point. Look after yourself, Barry, and thank you for that. Thank and thank you, you friend. Good, good morning to you. That's Barry there from Cork Airport. Uh, Barry Holland there, 1800-938-007. Donal joins me now. Good morning to you, Donal. Uh, good morning, friend, and good morning to your listeners. Yeah, good, good to talk to you, uh, Donald. Uh, you have concerns uh, again. It's about TDs and their their increases in their salaries and all of that, and pensions and one thing and another. Is it? Well, when you put things into perspective, friend, uh, I'm hearing figures of an increase of eighteen thousand a year. Is that true? Not as far as I can see. I, I think I've seen an increase of about three grand. I think under three grand. And for, oh, for senators, well, I think it's under two grand in the last twelve months, anyway. So I'm not sure what what you're looking at, but uh, well, well, I know I'm hearing quotations from here and there. Maybe it could be a misquotation. Yeah. Are, are you concerned about increases in general for TD salaries? Well, you see, friend, when you put the whole thing into, into perspective, in the mm. round, like the increases given to say pensioners and carers mm. and everybody else, it was about twelve euros in the budget. Now. That kind of an increase won't go very far because a gallon of diesel today is 8.32 at the pumps. Yeah. Uh, so that won't even put two gallons of diesel into your car for the week. 
so it won't take it very far, quite literally, and petrol likewise. And your ESB bill is still very, very high, although we're told yesterday that they're actually coming down, yeah. but we haven't we haven't seen F- that fingers yet. Fingers crossed on that, yeah. They're, very, uh, yeah, well, they're very quick to put things up, but they're rather slower when it comes to... Well, it's, it's like the, yeah. the increase in the budget. It can happen overnight, but when you want to get some a uh, few bob out of them, yeah. it takes until next January or mm. maybe March or April. Yeah, I saw and that about the child care. Uh, in the budget. That, that, that won't kick in until next September, imagine. You know, so I don't Yeah, well, they, they could have left that until next year's budget. But, of course, you see, friend, next year is an election year. Mm, yeah. And they'll all be off under toddy um, doing a bit of canvassing. Oh, you cynic, re- you cynic, you don't. <laughs> I know, I know. I, 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 I'm only, what, 57 years of age, but I've become an art cynic over the last few years because I think the whole thing is going to pot. But think of it this way, though. We now have a new armed conflict going on in the Middle East. Mm, yeah. And, of course, that will have its own effect on energy crisis, prices yeah. uh, over time, I would imagine. Because me being the cynic that I am, I think that's the whole reason for the conflict, to keep energy prices up. Well, it'll be interesting to see if it escalates. It certainly will have... Uh, uh, well, there's a lot of, um, shall we say, military activity going on Indeed. in... Both yeah. the Gulf of Arabia and the Persian Gulf and all the rest of us. Yeah. And a lot of hardware has moved in, shall we say. It's, so it's very worrying kind of what's happening out there, isn't it? It's really worrying. It, it, yeah. it is. Yeah. And all these things have an effect on people's cost of living, you see. Yeah. Like, it, everything is related. That There is no... Uh, nothing happens in isolation, unfortunately. Because yeah. yeah. there's a plan and design behind everything. And tell well, me, you, you said in recent years, Donald, you've become cynical. What what has triggered that for you? Um, life experience, I would expect, with um, employment, the health service, the way we approach things in this country. I mean, just look at Children's Hospital, the biggest and most expensive hospital on the planet. Yeah. Probably even the entire star system. If there's any aliens out there that can give us a hand out with a building hospitals, we'd yeah, be I mean, gladly. And, and we still don't know what it's going to cost in the end. Like, we have no idea. We're, we're, no. we're talking about 2.5 billion, and so far nobody's denied that it could be that, you know. Well, of course they won't deny it, because mm. sure, we're actually redesigning parts of it now as we speak. That's right, yeah. Um, because it's not actually finished. The design was never actually finished before they actually started building, which is mad. Like, if you were building a house, friend, you'd have a plan, you'd have a specification... We'd have quotations. And a budget. And a budget. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we leave Dermot Bant now just now <laughs> because the, the the budget seems to go out the window when he gets involved. But we better not say that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so all of those things put together then has... Uh, so it's brought out the cynic in you, has it? It has. You see, because, like, we can't seem to organise ourselves to do anything properly. Yeah. Like, we go back again then to the likes of, shall we say, transportation. We were just speaking about that here ourselves a few minutes ago, about the cost of uh, public transport. To get a train from here to Dublin, Nias Dublin, it's an arm and a leg. Return. You know, and we should yeah. be focusing on making that easier to get. And still, Eamon Ryan yeah. wants to encourage us all to use public transport. Well, we can't use it because we can't afford to use it. Yeah. It would be lovely if we could, Big, but that should be subsidised to the point where it's affordable for anybody to be able to use it and it should be available when people need it to go to work, to go to college. The current service doesn't really work that well from that point of view. Now, that that could be changed. Well, there's we some subsidies, a... I know, in the in the, the budget for 24. They they brought in some subsidies where, where uh, public 
transport is concerned. But it's not enough, yes. is what you're saying to me. No, and, and then, like, they're trying to encourage us to go down the route of electric vehicles uh, for the good of the environment. Uh, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, they're so expensive that nobody can possibly afford to do it. And recently, there they announced, 60M9, who announced that a, a loan plan for people to upgrade their houses, to retrofit their houses, of up to 75,000. Now, what pensioner on 265.30 a week can afford that? Mm. Because the cost of retrofitting your house like, is humongous. Because like, the, 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 the amount of work that has to be done is literally quite expensive. Mm. And there's nobody on a, a small fixed income that's going to be able to afford that. That would need to be grant-aided as opposed to uh, providing a loan for it. I can't see a huge take-up on that loan, by the way. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how it how it turns out. Can you see any light at the end of the tunnel? Just from here, we'd be. Can you see? Is is there anything that you're seeing out there, Donald? That's saying to you, well, okay, well, they they're getting that right. That's that's working out. Well, you see, um, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel from the political party's point of view because there's no leadership there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's huge opportunities available to this country if we were to take them. Uh, in the sense of energy generation, off the west coast is the most prolific area for wind power on yeah. the planet. Yeah. And it's on our continental shelf. And it's, it is effectively our energy, which we could export to the world. Mm. Uh, the Germans would gladly take it since they just decommissioned the last of their nuclear plants only recently. And they're crying out for alternative sources. The British would be mm. welcome with their open arms. And so would the French. Yeah, you know, we were too slow where wind energy uh, at sea was concerned. We're just but, too slow, too slow. Well, what I'm know. afraid of now is we'll do the same thing as we did when we were exploring for oil. We'll farm it out to a private organisation, and they will take the benefit from it. Yeah, I know. What a disgrace! Now, that, that, that if only we could do like the Norwegians did. They said, "Right, it's our resources. We're going to manage it ourselves, and the rest of you just get in line and do what you're told." But we were very good at selling off the family silver, were we not, Donald? You well, know. that seems to be a kind of a fetish of late. Like, yeah. you know, anything we sell, we will sell. Even we're down to the water now at this stage. I mean, this mm. massive plan to build this ludicrous pipeline from the Partine up to Dublin. Yeah. And then possibly would be privatised afterwards. And, you know, the consequences of that would be we'd all end up paying for stuff. Well, of course, they're, they're telling us that won't happen, but, but that's... Uh, yes. Uh, do you believe them, friend? Mm-hmm. Of course I do, Donald. <laughs> of course I do. Donald, oh, yes, I must leave it there because we're heading towards news, but really good to talk to you. We appreciate the call, Donald. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, friend. Thank, Thank you. you. Good Take morning care. to you. Bye-bye. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Email us, by the way, at any time, and that's uh, tip today at tipfm. Dot com. Um, my friend uh, Mary Gordon was on to us and she was telling us that there's a, a much-loved pet gone missing. Romeo is a black and tanned tiny chihuahua uh, with a grey crown and uh, the tongue hangs out all the time. He's 12 years old, microchipped, black collar, but he went missing from Forest Walk, which is beside Larkin's pub there in lovely Gary Kennedy. He was last seen on Monday, uh, the 30th, uh, there at Port Row. Now, there's a reward 
to the return of the dog and we have details of the owners if somebody has seen him okay so if you make contact with us we will put you in touch so 1800 938 007 if you know the whereabouts of little Romeo as I say much loved pet and he's gone walkabout at the moment now we're with you of course every single weekday from 9 and this morning just after 9 we spoke to independent councillor in Ross Grey Shane Lee who told us about how his car was stolen in Mosque over the weekend, later involved in the ramming of a Garda car that injured two Gardaí. So here's just a little of what he had to say to me this morning. I suddenly realised that the keys of my vehicle had been gone from where I had them in the hall. So myself and one of the other committee members and her kids and I suppose my own little girl was with me on that night and suddenly we walked outside to realise that my car had gone from where I had it parked. Your car was stolen? My car was stolen. Um, and obviously panic set in at that point in time. So we searched the car park in the area and we confirmed that, look, the car had been stolen. Subsequent to that, Fran, I contacted the Gardaí um, to confirm that my car had been stolen. And with that then, I suppose there was many accounts of recklessness. It's the only way you could describe it um, after that. Um, and of course, we're aware at this point, Shane, the two Gardaí... Uh, were hospitalised in the town after having their, their squad car rammed um, over the weekend as well. And the, the ramming was with your car, was it? Yes. Yes, Fran. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm ser- uh, very sorry and, and saddened um, to learn that, you know, with members of Angardi Asia Kona that go out to do their best for our community, um, and with this recklessness that has take, that had took place, we had two Gardaí on duty that are now out injured from work because the victim that stole my car had rammed the Garda car in obviously in my car so that's after leaving a huge um, concern amongst the general public in general that you know to think that you have two guards on duty um, and because of this as I said recklessness they're now um, off duty because of the incident that took place that's Councillor Shane Lee, who spoke to us just after 9 o'clock this morning. We've got a huge uh, response to that, as you can imagine, too, on our WhatsApp and uh, text and, indeed, on social media as well. It's time now for our weekly health slot. I'm glad to be joined, as usual, by the CEO of Marito 8020, the clinic in Clanmel. Muriel Cuddy is with me. Good morning to you, Muriel. Good morning, Fran. Muriel, you're not fond of vapes or vaping. Mm. I'm not. And, you know, I've I've said I'll do this piece a few times, but yeah. it nearly takes time to do it because there's so much involved in it. Like for me, the e-cigarettes drive me insane, right? I'm, my younger two are in first year and second year and I'm listening to them telling me like that nearly everybody in their class vapes and lads down. And like they've, they've started locking or have to lock the class toilets because the kids going into the toilets to vape. So like schools are finding it a massive issue. I remember when Saskia was in fifth, sixth, fifth and sixth years, so that's two years ago now, she, there was only about two in her class, I think, that weren't vaping. So I'm talking about the younger, right? It came to the fore again this week um, in clinic. So I had a girl that presented with different issues, but she actually had internal bleeding, right? We worked on every single thing of where this was coming from. And I uh, firmly believe, and I'm waiting for it to be confirmed, um, that it uh, is coming from leaky gut or something along the the lines of her gut has been damaged, but it's from um, e-cigarettes. 
So she started, she used to smoke for years, gave it up about two years ago, had her sister's wedding about a month ago, um, started using the, um, the e-cigarette, yeah, or yeah. the vapes or whatever, uh, at the wedding, continued to use them. Uh, she said she knows exactly her triggers for leaky gut, etc. Um, from when she used to smoke. Uh, was driving to Limerick last weekend and felt on the way up. She said she sm- vaped the whole way up, um, but it, I think it was a cola flavour or something. She said, this is great, this is lovely, whatever. Just got to Smith's Ties and she said, literally, she raced in, she was collecting something for, for her, her child, um, had to go straight to the toilet. She said she, she literally had diarrhoea, like like five or six times that was absolutely chronic. She was supposed to come back to Clonmel and wasn't able to come back. She had to stay with her sister. She said the the vomiting and everything that she had through the night was was just chronic. And the next day then she started bleeding. So she, there was nothing left, none of the diarrhoea or whatever, but she bled and she bled nonstop um, for two days. Now, she said she didn't go anywhere. She's a little bit older and she said there wasn't any point going to A&E, there wasn't any point, whatever. But she said all the side effects were exactly what she used to get when she smoked and she knew it upset her gut and she knew that this was the start of, you know, whatever, right. all my, my internal but symptoms But Muriel, is that not just a particular case where maybe the vaping aggravated a, an underlying yeah. issue or something? You, no. you, you can see me here. I'm, I'm shaking my head because I've okay. heard so many stories like this. Um, even in clinic, I go back with people so if I can figure out what's wrong with them and I've gone through all the food sides and we've done all of that piece yeah. or whatever then I have to go on to the next side so then you're going on to things like sleep you're going on to like exercise you're going on to what else are they doing is it smoking is it is it like vaping or whatever so I, I started researching it and like I said I could do hours on this but I'm only going to do a little piece today just I suppose for people to start thinking about it and even give us some information on it mm. because it's just starting to come to the fore now that they're talking about banning them and you're not allowed to buy them until you're 18 Lord almighty why 12 year olds and 13 year olds can get their hands on them at all is beyond me but anyway e-cigarettes contain acerlin, a herbicide that's primarily used to kill weeds. Okay, how many people knew that? The chemicals that are used for vaping, they break down uh, zipper line junctions between the cells in the gut which leads to chronic inflammation. So we know that, right? There was a study done in 2021 in the Journal of Science. Now, I read this study. The study was like pages long or whatever, so I've just taken a few bits out of it, right? So it was a stem cell study, right? Um, in 2000, uh, there was 2,800 people hospitalised in February in 2020. 68 of the, these died and they were teens and adults and it was put down to vaping, Okay different reasons but um, all from the internal side or whatever so this research found there's two base chemicals used okay in, in, in your e-cigarette and these two chemicals when they're heated up numerous chemicals are created right these generate the fumes and that's what causes the most damage and the list of things that they said then the chronic use chronic use will cause and you know I always say I don't want to scare but I do really want to scare because when somebody is vaping lately you're vaping all the time so like you actually see somebody with it Mm, all the yes, time. Yeah. So chronic use is when you're vaping all the time. So it can cause everything from leaky gut, headaches, dry mouth, cough, nauseousness, a rapid heartbeat, IBS, IBD, dementia, um, certain cancers, uh, liver fibrosis, diabetes, arthritis. It literally went on. You know, the list went on. Uh, like I said... This and this is from a, a proper medical study, is proper it? Proper medical study, yes. Yeah, the Journal of Science... Uh, right. The study was 2021, which is like two years ago. So I, I would love to see. I couldn't find any any more recent up-to-date studies, but I presume they're coming. And I presume there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of stories in relation to it. I have stories. Mm. 
and they'll come more and more so to the... are they as bad as cigarettes then or on par with cigarettes or I would definitely and correct me like I'm not a, I'm not an expert but I do well, you I know do what know, you're seeing I do and I do know that everything comes from the gut and I do know if we don't um, have a relatively healthy gut if we're drip feeding something into it that's wrong for it that's where all the chronic illness comes from within the body so if you're yeah and have you concerns about the people who started doing this very young that maybe later on in life there will be issues? Absolutely terrified, yeah. Because once you, like, this causes chronic illness, the gut lining damage may be, rever- may be reversible. So, like, if you stop, the, the body is so good to get itself back. If you're doing it for a long time, like, the study actually said the damage to other organs like the heart and brain may be irreversible, okay? It said the lungs, you, you can permanently injure your lungs, right? So it depends how long you're actually using it for. Um, it actually said, like, asthma attacks, coughing, wheezing, shortness of breath, these kinds of things, um, because you're breathing in the ultrafine vapour particles, uh, can cause long-term damage. But if you use it um, in the short term and you come off it, uh, the rehab time is about nine months. But if the chronic piece comes into it, then it's too late and you've, you've, you have the damage done. And I, I don't smoke, I don't vape, so I don't know much about this. But I know there's much talk about the disposable ones as opposed to the other ones. What, yeah. what is that about? I don't know much about them either, so I'm yeah. not going to go there, Fran, to yeah. be honest with you. To me, a vape is a vape or an e-cigarette right. is an e-cigarette. And I know that it, it's, it's, it's damaging the lining of the gut. And like the lining of the gut is amazing. Like as in, a sing, this, this is single air cells that seal the body, right, from trillions of microbes. That's literally what, that line, what the lining of the gut does. It defends the immune system. And at the same time, it allows the absorption of all the essential nutrients or whatever. That's what you're doing. You're putting a zipper like the zipper like junctions are being broken completely, right? I don't know the difference between the long term or the, or the short term or whatever, but I do know that's what they're doing. They're ruining the lining of the gut, which is causing all the chronic illness. Right. So are you saying stop? I am because I don't know whether you've seen the studies from America. So they were even out last year. You know, they were talking about wet lung. Yes. And they were actually finding that the wet lung was blood in the end of the lungs instead of actually um, fluid in the lung. Um, and was there like a 14-year-old died and then they had an 18-year-old died or whatever? And they actually found that it was, again, the vapes that were causing the pinprick holes in the blood vessels and it was seeping into the lungs or whatever. But by the time they treated um, they treated the kids for um, pneumonia and wet lung, etc. and that, but it was too late. They died, yeah. Now, if this is the case, I have no reason to disbelieve you, Muriel. I mean, why, why are we not stamping on this... Well, it's starting, isn't it? But you see, the research is just coming out. And how slow is everything before it actually turns? Yeah. Well, we're this still was waiting on that uh, legislation to be enacted. Well, in the beginning, yeah. this was brilliant because this was better than smoking. But like, from what I can remember, up to a couple of years ago, a lot of people had actually given up cigarettes anyway. And we didn't see too many people mm. um, outside having, you know, their fag or whatever. So, so people who never smoked start vaping. Uh, youngsters, like, how many? Yeah. Like, every single one of them, literally are vaping at this stage, you know, and like the flavours, watermelon, Coke, like strawberry. So it's geared towards well, to, like young, it's, it's, young palates. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing is, it, um, it uh, stops your appetite a little, so it, it diminishes so it appetite. So the appetite. Yeah, so it? that's definitely going to help, isn't it? Like anyone that's worrying about weight and stuff like that, you know. Wow. But for older people, we have a choice and it's up to us if we want to kill ourselves or, you know, ruin whatever we are ruining. But for the younger people, that definitely has to be knocked on the head. The legislation okay. has to come in that they can't get their hands okay. on it. You've gotten that off your chest. You really <laughs> wanted to speak about that, didn't I did, you? Didn't I? Yeah. Oh, that right, could okay. go, yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean, you're seeing it coming into you. You're well, it, literally, and I know with the, with the girl the other day, like, it was definitely, like, down to the e-cigarette and I have more and more of that coming through, so, yeah. All right. Yeah. Talk to me about hunger and what is real hunger and what 
is, you know, when we're just eating to make ourselves feel, feel a little bit better. Okay, so she's calming down a little bit now. Calm, calm down, right, she's, she's, she's Come down off that soapbox, <laughs> sit down. Yes. It's taking the mic off me. Um, so there's a load of different things. Again, this is something I'm finding a lot of lately. This is the time of the year, right? And I'm not even finding a lot of it. I'm actually living it myself. I think it was it last Thursday. We had a busy week last week, right? So it started on Thursday. We hadn't really eaten a lot all day. Thursday evening, came out of the clinic at about half eight, starving. And um, Charlotte said to me, I'm getting a taco chip. And I said, no, you're not. And she said, yes, I am. And she said, and you were having it with me. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm going home. And she said, you are. I'm not having it on my own. So it started on Thursday evening anyway. Taco chip after work, right? And the minute you eat something like that, you're hungry. So that was the start of the weekend, literally. So all weekend long, the hunger actually grew. So it didn't really matter what I ate for the weekend. Friday evening, I was starving, right? So it was all wrong Friday. Saturday, by lunchtime, I was starving. So I was eating wrong by Saturday lunchtime. Saturday evening, Sunday, long weekend. Back on track on Monday, back to the gym, doing my bits and pieces. No, I didn't. I didn't go to the gym on Monday. And I ate all wrong on Monday. And you know, when you're eating wrong, then you love your glass of wine mm, and all the bits mm. and pieces. How do you rein it in? And where do you rein it in? We actually had this conversation on Tuesday morning because we said, listen, we have a week's work to do a tough week's work to do this has to go how do you stop like the insatiable appetite that's there at the minute and I'm getting that from people like I'm getting emails in to say Muriel I've 3kg back on again and Muriel I can't stop eating you know what am I supposed to do where do I pull it in now there is there is like a syndrome there called polyphalgia right and there's even a hyper one and that's an extreme extreme insatiable hunger and that, that's like a sign of diabetes it can be hormone related mm. it can be mal- malnutrition it can be a lot of things like that and then you have the other side of it like you've non-alcoholic fatty liver right I'm finding that a lot lately and again that can cause either like extreme hunger or can actually make you the other side is in you're not hungry but that's actually caused as well and 25% of people in the world actually are now presenting with non-alcoholic fatty liver right 25% yeah wow. yeah yeah and that's like an excess of fat in the liver right so Mm. it's coming from the extreme appetite but it all kind of comes together if that makes sense as in like um, if your liver's at risk your BMI is over 30 so many people's BMI is over 30 to get your BMI under 27 like you nearly want to be like at this stage slim and Mm. like whatever you know Um, you've high cholesterol you know high lipid profile you'll have um, high blood pressure all of that kind of thing but the main cause is or a lot of the time you're binge eating so the binge eating is the increase in appetite, you know. So like to pull it back in is the problem. That's like, and how do you go about it? So t- tell me about that, because, you know, some of the hunger, uh, as, as you say, I'm not really hungry, but I'm eating. So you know the name wh- for it. why am I doing that? So it's called pseudo-hunger. Pseudo-hunger. Pseudo-hunger, yeah. Wow. yeah. So like okay. it's called fake hunger. Do you know how many types of hunger there are, um, no. Fran, right? So there's actually 11. Right, so there's your environment. So that's like pressure and events and things like that. I find that a lot, because um, last weekend, yeah, it was unusual. But most of the time, I'm good. Okay, mm. and when I go to things or whatever, or I sit down for a meal, I do find, oh, she doesn't eat at all. Or are you going to have something? I love food, but the pressure that's put on you if you are, you know, eating well and that kind of thing isn't good. Eye hunger, so we eat with our eyes. So if we see food and it looks delicious, like you might look at buns and then you might think they look gorgeous and take a bite into them, they're half stale, mm. but you still stay eating it because it looked lovely or whatever, you know. You have your nose hunger, so the smells, and the minute the smells come, you're going to eat even if you're not hungry. You have the mouth hunger, so you literally start, you know, like mouth starts getting wetter yeah. and all that kind of thing. Stomach hunger, so when your stomach starts growling, sometimes it's not hunger, it's like dehydration or something along those lines. Heart hunger, have you ever heard of heart hunger? No. So heart hunger is what you've been given as a child or the emotional side. So you know if you were given food as a treat 
or like um, say like our Friday night was like crisps and red lemonade or, or something yes, like that yeah. yeah so that's the bread heart. and butter pudding yeah stuff. or something yes. like that yeah or like I'm hearing a lot of this one lately and people are laughing at this the rice and the jam oh the I rice remember with the, the jam one, yeah. in the middle yeah yeah that was yeah. That came to mind but cellular hunger so your cells need nutrients so you know when you get irritable and tired and you've headaches and stuff like that that's like your cellular hunger mind hunger so that's good and bad foods I can't have it I want to have it I'm not going to have it mm. if I eat well that side of things the emotional hunger then so that's intense sudden cravings you know when you're sad or you're bored or you're stressed or whatever you know and then you have the dehydration and sleepiness or whatever so there's a lot of different signs of hunger isn't there but how do we know real hunger? Well, that that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what is real? Where does have you then? any idea where real hunger starts? Oh no, I don't really, because I'm going to be wrong. It, it's not in your tummy, obviously. Take a guess. I, is it in your tummy? No, it's not. No, right, okay. it's actually in your throat. So your true hunger sensation it starts in your throat. In what way? You you literally have an increase, a dramatically heightened taste sensation starts from your throat up into your mouth. Go on. Yeah, and then it goes oh. in the other direction. Your tummy growls, and then if you are really hungry, you actually feel it as in you have a problem focusing. You know, you might yes. ha- might have a headache, you might have the shakiness, but that growling in your stomach is the start of you're actually hungry. You know, mm. like because there's, there's so many different ways, like extreme hunger, very hungry, pretty hungry, starting to feel hungry and then you're going the other way, you're satisfied, pleasantly full, you're um, a little uncomfortable and then you're stuffed. So there's all the different sides to it. So you have to get that piece in the middle. You have to feel hungry. We have to feel hungry. So you have to know when you're actually hungry to eat or you will have an insatiable appetite because we drip feed our bodies all the time. And if you eat properly when you feel hungry, that nullifies. And that's what I get every day from people. When they come into me and I'll say to them that when they've been snacking and eating all wrong, and um, if there's anyone listening that comes into me, they'll actually back me up on this, that when you start eating proper high-fibre foods and mm. the things that I talk about, like the nuts and seeds, and stop looking at things like calories in versus calories out and worrying about good and bad foods and stuff like that, most of the time eat good food. Most of the time eat high fibre foods like your wheat bricks and your brown breads and your whatever, mm. your spuds and your brown rices and then your veg and your fruit and your nuts and your seeds and stuff like that. It does stop most of the cravings. That's one of the things. Mm. You, Fran is looking at me now like I'm mentioning all the things that she loves. All the things that I hate. To be honest. <laughs> why, a friend of mine says this to me all the time. Why is it that the things that we crave and love are so bad for us? You see, they're made like that. Like, we didn't have them 30 years ago. I keep yeah, I saying this, like, we only had, like, scones and buns and things that you could make. Yeah. And you never ate too many of them. Like, if you had a scone and you had two scones years ago, you never like, and you know, even when they were made, I remember Mammy making them at home, you'd even have two or three scones. They were smaller. She was making them for us, like, she never minded if we ate 10 of them. And, like, you could have them and you were gone out the door and it, but you were full. And you yeah. didn't come back in again. But food is made now. It is so ultra processed that it's made for us. It's like mice, you know, like picking away at whatever it is. That's the way we are. Mm. We're literally, it's there. And we're just, it, it turns on our sensations that we just want more and more and more of it. But if we're doing it for emotional solace, surely we have to deal with the substantive issue then, do we? Well, first, I think it's a mind over matter thing. We make the kids do it. And, you know, even say if you have somebody that you're caring for, mm. you care for them properly. Why mm. don't we do the middle piece? I don't know. And that's what we keep talking about. So I knew on Tuesday morning, 
we could have like eaten away for the week because this week the kids are on holidays whatever and I hate when the kids are on holidays even though I love having the kids on holidays but there's the mother guilt mm. so mm. they're at home and then the evening they're waiting for you to come home and Bring the you're not doing home. a dinner and yeah we don't want <laughs> a dinner and this kind of thing can we go somewhere and you have all of that yeah. so yes I could eat away for the week and, and eat wrong for the week and use every excuse under the sun but I know my heart and soul I'm miserable so I can either choose the misery side for the quick fix of the food or I can choose to feel okay by the time Friday comes and enjoy my weekend again go back to like having my nice bits or whatever I'm doing it so long now I can kind of flick the switch back into it I make myself I think that's what you have to do it's consistency so if the doctor tells you to take your cholesterol tablets mm. you take your cholesterol tablets every day because you're afraid if you don't you're going to die you know like a stroke or whatever it is or your diabetic medicine or whatever the same thing comes from food like Einstein said in the 1940s let food be thy medicine mm. like say that over and over again yeah and a lot of the time it's our, our poison I suppose yeah. I, I went in to get some diesel yesterday and I almost had a physical wrestling match with myself <laughs> not to buy a Red Bull and a bar of chocolate. I mean, it was a, it was a physical thing with me not to do it. Yeah, because you, know? yeah, you know what's in it is going to give you that quick fix. And you know, it's like the glass of wine. We spoke about this the other day because, oh my God, over the weekend, like I'm so good to drink two glasses of wine and then I'm, I'm, I'm done then because I know I'm going to be sick the next day if mm. I do go any more than two. It's an age thing, isn't it? I couldn't stop it too. I'm like, I actually know the first the first sip of wine is the nicest. Yes. The first glass of wine is lovely. Mm-hmm. The second glass of wine, it's gone. By the third glass of wine, you don't even know you're drinking it. Oh, and at that know. stage, you're eating as well. But do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know, yeah. I even know. with the Red Bull and the bar of chocolate, Fran, like, yeah. it, you, it's literally the first, like, sip and the first bite. Mm. And then you're done. Like, the same sensation doesn't come out of the second piece. But yeah, if you fight with yourself, the more often you do it and the more consistent you become, the mm. easier it gets. Well, I, I find three days... If yeah. I can, if I can stay away from chocolate for three days, I'll get good. a right good run or yeah. something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You choose different. But those meant. three days are hell. Yeah, yeah, because the sugar, the the what you call it, sugar cravings are switched yeah. on. That piece is there, but like you have to buy nuts, you have to buy other things instead, so that you don't feel like you're missing out. And people don't do that because they don't taste as nice, and they're like, no, I don't fancy mm. them. I'll just have nothing. And by having nothing, you're not giving your body what it needs, so the sugar cravings stay. Whereas if you just stop that and sate the appetite with proper fibrous omega threes the cravings go quicker. So for me, like, it's a huge big avocado, which you love. Yuck. Yeah. And food like that immediately. Because yes. at least if I eat that, I'm full. And I stop thinking about food. And I have to do that piece. Whereas if I don't, yeah, I'm wondering then where the chocolate is. It's very interesting indeed. Um, do, do you do plans for people? I mean... When they come in, I'll do a plan for them. Yeah. I, and I'll give them a plan going away. And it's very individual, is yeah, it? Completely. And you know, and one of the things I actually, even yesterday, I was thinking about this. So we had like full clinic from seven until whatever, nine o'clock last night, because remember the competition or whatever on yes, the aesthetic side. And this is one of the big things. On the health side, it doesn't have to cost you very much money. So you can come in and you can do a consultation or two consultations. You can do full bloods. Uh, we can do whatever tests you want to do, like everything from hemochromatosis to your intolerance testing, whatever it is. And you can become well for very little money. Mm. When you're sick, it can cost you an awful lot of money, but you can become very well, well for very little. The aesthetic world, which is the outside of your body, you nearly you have to know, especially as you get older, what kind of a budget have you and where do you want to go with this? Mm. The aesthetic world can, can, can start like at 180 euros, but the aesthetic world can go on maybe like to nine H- or 10,000. piece of string? Yes, yeah, of and, and depends what age you are and when you, you start that. do you think people should be aware about that? Totally. I think people need to be aware on the health side. It doesn't yeah. need to cost a lot of money to get healthy, but definitely on the aesthetic side, and I saw that over the last two weeks or whatever, um, 
you definitely have to have a budget in mind. You have mm. to have an idea. Um, to work from the inside out is easy enough, but to work on the aesthetic side, when you're younger, you need very little done. But as you get older, well then, it's like an older house. And when you start and you look at the skirting board and you paint the skirting board, then you're looking at the wall and then you're looking at the floor and then you're looking at the window. So there's a lot of different things that might need to be done. So it's it's a matter, I think, of taking a step back and saying, is it worth it? Have I the money? Mm. All of that piece of whatever. Um, I think it's, I always say it's an investment. That's Mm. the way you have to look at it. But I think to be aware of the fact that, um, yeah, it can cost, start at 180 euro, but like you could... Right. Be looking so, at something so it's like seven thousand to be to be aware of. I think of, so. Of I that. think so. All right. Yeah. If people want to talk to you, Muriel, or, or the rest of the team, how can they do? Want to ring up and give out to me. Um, <laughs> my number is oh five two six one four triple eight one. All right. Will you give that one more time? Yes, and the website oh five two six one four eight double eight one. Okay. And www marito8020.com Alright, great to see you Muriel, thanks very much Indeed, I think I'm feeling some emotional hunger at the moment <laughs> Alright, we'll take a break back in a moment Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer Slattery's Garage Pecone The name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County Slattery'sGarage.ie I love the way people get different things from an interview uh, one of our listeners was on well Muriel spent about 20 minutes there talking to us about various health issues but uh, one of our listeners came on and said mmm um, taco fries just t- sealed the deal for lunch <laughs> I'm not sure that that's what you should have taken from the uh, chat but I know I know exactly where you're coming from uh, Willie is in Burn Court he said I never met a calorie that I didn't like <laughs> Very good. Uh, Fran and Guest, I think medical people uh, should give talks about the dangers of using vapes and uh, any other drugs, in fact, to, to students as young as 12 years. The Gardaí could give talks about certain dangers as well. For example, wearing high-vis jackets, especially now that the evenings are darker. 83 311 Now, Thurla's Special Needs are hosting a toy fair in the Anna Hotel uh, in uh, Thurles on uh, Sunday the 12th of November to talk to me about this. I'm glad to be joined by the PRO of Thurles Special Needs and that's Evelyn Nevin. Good morning to you, Evelyn. Morning, Fran. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. Good. Will you well, tell me about uh, Thurles Special Needs first of all, Evelyn, and what you do? Okay, yeah. Um, Thurles Special Needs, I suppose we're a voluntary group. We've been going since it started, I think, in 1978. And our founder, actually, Margot Olden, only died about a month ago, did Trojan work. She had great vision for people with disability. So what we do is now we have been, I suppose, a bit redundant since COVID. Um, We used to do um, respite, so we do trips off in the summer and uh, the holidays. We do Christmas party, Halloween party, and then we'd be there to advocate for our parents, um, trying to fill up forms and all that kind of thing. Now, it's only, I suppose, in the last year we're back up and running. Um, we would have done a project in the Poo, uh, down in the town park in Turles. We have a, an accessible swing for people in wheelchairs to hop in there and have a little swing the same as everybody else. Uh, we did great work in the pool, making a change in places that uh, regardless of your disability or ability, you can get into the pool now. There's a table there and hoisting facilities and just stuff like that. But I suppose the respite would have been one of the big things just to give the parents a break that we'd organise a trip away and we'd go off to Tarot Pet Farm or 
any of these places oh, around the country. Yeah. And great day out for everybody, you know. It's a, it's great work indeed. You're making the mm. point that, and this never even dawned on me, Christmas is, what is it now, eight weeks uh, away. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, if you're a parent of children with special needs, the, the, the toy shopping is kind of different, is it, Evelyn? It is, and it's very hard to imagine it, uh, Fran. And I remember myself back in the day to think that you could go into a toy shop and there's actually nothing there to suit your special needs child. I mean, you're dealing with your child, first of all, and I suppose the issues that they are presenting with, and then you go to the toy shop, which is the highlight of Christmas. And I love Mm. Christmas. I love the toy shop myself. Um, And to think, my God, where do I go from here? And I suppose it was from that myself when I realised it. And again, you know, you're online and whatever. And I mean, it definitely has improved because I remember back in the day, if you did store something online, the cost was astronomical, so it was. And one of the funny things, I suppose, um, and even last week I was talking to uh, Connor's mum about it, is that a lot of the, what we did originally was a lot of the toys for dogs, if you don't mind, like the tactile feel, the balls mm. and all this, mm. that some of our children actually benefited hugely from from those. And I mean, again, you were getting them at the cheaper price. And I mean, obviously, you wouldn't be telling people you're giving sure. your child time. Yeah. But I mean, they were the kinds of things like, you know, little lights in them, like, you know, and that was huge benefit, huge. Very good. And the toy fair itself then that you're hosting, Evelyn, on the 12th, yeah. what, what exactly will people uh, come across there? OK, so what we're going to do is, um, so there's Thinking Toys over in Killaloo, and again, we found them, I suppose, by accident a few years ago, mm. and we took off on a trip there. And I mean, Thinking Toys is absolutely, it's a tool for anybody, whether an adult or a child, disability or not. I remember the first time we went there, absolutely fabulous. And again, the mum there, it ended up actually, she was a boarder in school with me, but I didn't know that at the time. And she had her own daughter with disability. Yeah. And like that, frustrated and, I mean, soul-destroying. And she decided to set this up and um, and source ties. And that was in 2004. So they've gone from strength to strength. And I mean, like, there's ties to cover everything. I mean, you can go onto the website there, thinkingtoys.ie. And also then, so on the day, we will have ties from Thinking Toys in Killaloo. And also then we're coming back a bit local to Connor and Denise Stakelin mm. of Stakelin Office Supplies. Mm. They now have started um, a section of special needs toys. So both places will have toys on display um, in the hall there in the Anna Hotel. Um, what we will do is obviously some children don't like noise, don't like uh, crowds. So if a parent wants to get in touch, we'll organise a special slot that they can go in when there's nobody else there um, just to make the experience um, better. Because, I mean, the experience of buying ties at Christmas has got to be one of the best ever, like whether you're an adult or, yeah. or not, you know. So uh, so we're there from two o'clock. As I said, if a parent wants to contact me and, you know, now bring the children. Um, Onion Thinking Toys said they love meeting the children. Mm. They can provide the professional advice, let the child use the toys, you know, because some of the stuff, you just don't know, like, what's out there or what will work for your child. So by bringing the kids on in the day, now we will be there to support parents, like, you know, say if you want the child, just mind it for a little while while you have a browse or whatever, we'll be there to help. And we'll have the cup of tea and the cake as well and the chat. And I suppose that's where parents can swap, you know, what works for their child. And Evelyn, is there an element of education here as well with the toys? Yeah, it's fabulous. Like, you can have your basic toys, you can have the educational toys. I mean, one of the big things, I suppose, would be the senses. There's loads of... um, toys there for sense of touch you can have like tactile balls tactile brushes 
uh, then like you can have like the visual sense like the light up balls the light up products you know the mirrors um, then you can have your sense of smell like there's all different smell games it's just like it's everything and actually as well they, they've now introduced like a section for adults now I remember when I went up there I even bought games for myself mm. you know that makes you think and I suppose there is like a critical think and element to it and I mean a lot of our adults children are more than myself um, with disability like toys are important for them and you know and everything it's a one stop shop so regardless of the ability of your child there is toys for everybody including mum and dad and, and everybody um, as I said once it came local to Stakens then here in Thurlis, um I was absolutely delighted when I went in there now I know Connor's niece is a play therapist and she would have had a big role um, in the, the amount of toys that they have in there so I mean like it's not like it was anymore yes you kind of maybe had a different journey but once you once you know where the toys are you know you oh, won't be great. disappointed that's you know? a, a great idea now we're talking Sunday mm-hmm. week are we not Evelyn Sunday, Sunday week the yeah, 12th November the 12th at, yeah, at now 2 o'clock at the Anor yeah. 2 o'clock yeah now we have the posters gone up today a big shout out to my neighbour Joe he was out there mm-hmm. all morning putting up the big posters in the approach rows in Thurlis and we have the posters gone around in the shop so we've contacted the schools all the um, special needs now. so when the kids go back on Monday there'll be a little print out to bring home and um, and I work out of school Cormac myself yes. so like you know if you go through all the special needs schools and the other schools because most of the schools now have the units for the um, ASD children and it's just to get the word out there you know any child can come you don't have to have a child with special needs everybody is welcome but obviously we want to, to target I suppose our families with the special needs um, children so that they can enjoy Christmas the exact of same course. as any other and you, you, you don't family. have to register ahead of time Evelyn Not you just turn all. up is no, that it turn we'll up. be there yeah plenty of room Indiana is big and that's why we had it big and there's wheelchair accessibility from the back door if any of our children are in um wheelchair or that you know everybody as I said is welcome and we will be on hand as I said you know to support the parents as well if they need hand with the wheelchairs or anything like that. All right. well great to talk to you today it's a great idea and we will remind people again about this next week Evelyn Thanks Thanks for your time time, Evelyn, thank you bye bye Janelle. That's Evelyn Nevin there of Thurless uh, Special Needs and uh, that's uh, that uh, toy fair is happening on the 12th of November which is a Sunday uh, week at uh, 2 o'clock. Don't mind me. Talk away among yourselves. I'm rooting around here for bits of paper. Uh, this week's Down Your Way with uh, my friend Eamon O'Dwyer is in the Market Stone Bar and Restaurant in Cloheen and he spoke to Chairman of St Paul's Community Centre Paddy Costello and indeed to owners of the Marble Stone Bar Mary and William O'Keefe as well. Here's a little, uh, a little piece from that. We have a fantastic small committee with an active committee, yeah. I know, and it's it's an old building. It's a it's a building that needs a lot of repair. I know it's a it's a listed building, so we have to be very careful in what we what we do and how we do it. So at, down the years we put in kitchens, wheelchair accessible toilets, ramps, etc., etc. And now a roof needs replacing or needs repairing at least. And one of the stained glass window at the back was damaged, so we have to repair that, which is all money. You know, and as the costs go, you have insurance, oil, etc., etc. But thankfully, there's a lot of clubs in the town or in the area using the hall and they contribute to the upkeep of the hall. You know, is it a heritage building? It is, yes. Yeah. No, I'm sure there's plenty of grants available. Well, there's grants available. We get lots of grants from Tipperary County Council, and wherever we can get them, we try and apply for them. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, we well, know. And it's just yeah, I was down there a couple of years ago, and uh, look at it's a terrific place, and you really keep it well. Yeah, it's a fantastic hall. I say original floor there, probably original stages there, mm-hmm. and was, I say it was gifted to the community back in the 70s, mm-hmm. and previously, as you know, it was a Protestant church, mm-hmm. so it was gifted to the community, and as 
committee members, we're custodians of the church from year to year, so we have to maintain it in the best way we can, you know. Yeah, and the businesses in the town down the years have supported us very well. And people who have left and have made good elsewhere are great to donate to the hall for, for whenever they're asked for money. That come up with, with the money, so it's 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 fantastic, you know. And Clahine, excuse me, Clahine is a, a vibrant town. We lost the post office, we lost the bank. We thought that was the end of it. No, we we rose again, and Clahine is, is is vibrant, very vibrant at the moment, you know. And you came up all the way from Kerry down here. I came up some over 30 years ago and forgot to go back. <laughs> <laughs> so you're well looked after. Oh yeah, keeping Clahine very nice and very inclusive. God, we have a hospital, we have a clinic, we have a pharmacy, healthcare centre, you name it, we have shops, hardware store. And many towns in the country love to have what we have. Absolutely. You know, and it's well supported. Mm-hmm. We have a supermarket down the road there, which is, is, was closed for a number of years, and now it's, it's flying. So the people are looking after each other. You're all ready to go on it with this uh, fundraising and all of that? Yeah, we'll start now. We've a few events coming up now towards the end of the year, but we'll be hitting fundraising very early in the new year. No? Listen, it's great uh, to be down here on behalf of Tip FM. It's really a pleasure. Congrats, you, congrets and, and, and I hope you get good support. Oh, I'd like to probably thank Noreen for organising this tonight. She's a brilliant secretary in the Community Council, so she's doing hard work. So well done, Noreen. Absolutely. Terrific. And of course, you're talking about Noreen. Uh, that's Noreen Condon of Tip FM, uh, our head salesperson. Now I'm here in the Market Stone. What a beautiful place. Hello, how are you? I am, and I'm welcome to the Market Stone. Yeah, We're well, here in the stable bar tonight. Willem, how are you doing? Well, terrific to be here. Talk to me. How did you get involved in this place? Uh, we, got the, we got the mad notion there two years ago to take a chance and buy a pub. Yeah. And so far, so good. Thanks for the God. Yeah. You have a beautiful restaurant as well. Thank you. Yeah, we opened the restaurant. Uh, we built on a new kitchen and we opened the restaurant back in November. So November 22, which is to be open mm. the year next, next month. I definitely can vouch for a beautiful restaurant because food is magic. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely terrific. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, um, what, what, of course, you started off. Uh, did, you, did you have a pub or restaurant before here? No, no. This is our first time venturing down this avenue. Okay. So glad, very glad we've done it. Um, it's going well for us. Are you natives of here? No, I'm a Limerick woman from Catmore. Okay. I was a chef by trade. Worked in Hayes and Catmore for a long right. time. So you're probably green flag when when Limerick oh, are playing. That's for sure and certain. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. What about you? Yeah, I'm from a little village called Ireland, just over the hill here. Okay. So I came to Clanahan about 23, 24 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So I've been here since. So you're enjoying your time? Yeah, I do, yeah. It's a nice little spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Clahine is lovely. People in Clahine are lovely. What about business? Is it doing well? It is. Business doing well with great local support. As you can see here, we expanded out the back, and it's um, a private area, ready for any kind of a function. We had two day two weddings already. We have family reunions happening. We have communions coming in, and it's... It's fully, we have a bar here that is um, full of facilities and it's private, so it doesn't affect the normal running of the restaurant. Yeah. And it's very, much, it's very much open for business? Oh, we're open running for business, yeah. We opened up in, under pressure in June, the end of June. We had day two of a wedding, so Will um, got the brave wave that he'd put it up and we haven't looked back since. Been for the long haul, yeah. You have to stay now. Absolutely. And that's a little piece from Down Your Way. You can hear it in its entirety uh, this coming Saturday morning from 10 o'clock with my great friend Eamon O'Dwyer. All right, we'll take a break. We're back with farming. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 
So to talk farming, glad to be joined as usual by Deputy Editor of the Farmer's Journal, Katrina Morrissey. Katrina, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Um, you're revealing in the journal today, Katrina, new age and weight limits uh, to sell calves. What's, what's the current situation with selling calves? Um, so there isn't really any weight limits at the moment, um, but there are restrictions on the movement of calves based on age. So calves currently can't be moved off farms until they're 14 days old. Um, and what our front page story is about this week is talks going on within the calf stakeholder group or calf stakeholder forum of which the Department of Agriculture is a part as well as some farm organisations in March that there would be an increase in that um, and there there has been some discussion about 21 days um, being imposed for moving calves off their farm of birth and then also other, uh, so 28 day, um, talk around a 28 day minimum age there for calves going for export. Um, what does that mean? So I suppose number one, it would be you know a reaction I suppose to a general push it's fair to say um, to make sure that the calves that mm. move in particular abroad mm. are the healthiest that the, they can The primetime special would, would play a part Absolutely. in this, I guess, would it? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It would have really concentrated. Mm. It's, I, it really wouldn't be fair to say that this, that's the only reason, yeah. but it absolutely focused minds on it. Um, and that, so so what does that do to the, to the farmers? What's the effect? A lot of specialist dairy farms would be set up to actually move the calves that they don't want, and they're typically the male calves, to move those off the farm as quick as possible to allow them to keep their heifer calves and also to have to maximise the use of the farm for milking cows. Um, so they are specialist dairy farms. Mm. They want to move off any beef animal as quickly as they can. They would have housing for, you know, their kind of housing, their sheds set up to keep calves for a limited amount of time. Their calving would take place over a number of weeks. If they have to hold the calves for an extra seven days, or uh, an extra 14 days if they send them straight for export, um, that's going to mean that they're going to have to build extra shed space. They're going to have to have extra accommodation for the calves, the number of calves that will be there. Mm. There will be more calves kept on the farm, and those extra calves will be kept for longer. So it's something, I suppose, mm. that, and, and we're talking now that cows are in calf for the spring. They will be calving down typically from January onwards. Mm. So any decision on this is going to have immediate physical impacts for farms and obviously the financial implications of that as well. And these um, calves aren't worth much money in the in the first place, are they? They're very young animals, yeah. yeah. So your your price obviously fluctuates throughout the season. So you'll find in early in the season the calves actually make a decent enough price. Then there's a, a glut of calves because Ireland's agriculture is based on grass production, mm. which means that farmers all have their breeding programs set up so that their cows calve down generally in a kind of a six-week period and that that coincides with the flush of grass that comes in the spring so their cows go straight out onto the best grass of the spring. So it means that we have kind of concertinaed the supply of calves in this country into a short period in the spring. That's when prices um, tend to fall down because the people who are buying have all the calves they want to, to choose from and the exporters have all the calves that they want to buy. Um, so the yeah. price can fluctuate. But I mean, we, we have seen calves, you know, they might start out the season at, at 150 uh, per head and it might drop as low as 20 you know, and, and in some cases lower than that, but they tend to be for the extreme, uh, very, you know, fully jersey type calf. And it does tend to be at that really peak calf supply time of year.
Interesting. Following on from last week, uh, then, where you broke that story about the expert group considering using GPS units to mm. track slurry uh, exports, there's a bit of a pushback on that, I think, Katrina? There is, yeah. Farmers, I suppose, not wildly um, enthusiastic ever about having Big well, Brother imagine, yeah. them at all times, which is the case. Um, but I would say that the, the comments that were made by the Department of Agriculture Inspector Ted Massey over the weekend really pointed to the fact that this is a very, very solid proposition. Um, what he told the Mocker conference was that the use of GPS tractor, trackers to monitor slurry exports would be a, quote, low, a low price to pay in order to maintain the derogation. So he obviously sees it as a very solid possibility for the next nitrates action program. He's the senior nitrates inspector, mm. Ted Massey. What he says bears a lot of weight and um, they have gone to the Netherlands or they're planning to go to the Netherlands to see how it works over there. So I would say that is becoming more and more a solid proposition um, than it was even last week when we wrote about it for the first time. Well, um, livestock housed after gee, an unbelievable uh, October of rain, wasn't it? Yeah. It has, and I think we were very lucky to escape the storm, Kieran. I think France and yeah. southern England are taking the brunt of it, but huge amounts of rainfall, um, you know, 300 millimetres, which is uh, four, three, uh, 12 inches of rain in old money um, at Cork Airport last wow. month. Um, Johnstown Castle, you know, very similar, 265 millimetres. You know, it's 10 inches anyway. Um, it is really phenomenal and it is the problem I suppose Fran is that it has not come off the back of a dry September you know September was wet with one good week 10 days in early September uh, the saturation of soils is the problem you have the misfortunate people in the likes of Middleton Wexford Ross Lair, you know really feeling the effect of that uh, deluges of rain and farmers they're well used to coping with the weather but they, you know, nonetheless never look forward to a long winter, and that's what we are facing now. Once cattle go in, they go in. Uh, that adds to the cost of feeding because they're not eating grazed grass. They're into their silage. They're into their concentrate feeding. So it's, you know, from a workload point of view, housed cattle take more um, man hours or woman hours, and then you have the cost implications of that as well. So everybody will have their fingers crossed for a, an early spring. I'm sure they will indeed. And speaking of um, uh, wet weather and flooding and the like, support payments expected for farmers hit by flooding in the, the Shannon Callows. Uh, the Minister, I think, has confirmed this, has he? Yeah, that's right. And this was um, the summer flooding that we talked about. Um, the Shannon Callows, I think it was something like 50,000 bales, the equivalent of 50,000 bales of silage and hay, um, were, were destroyed at that time by the summer floods. And Minister McConnell has confirmed that there will be a fodder support scheme there for those farmers because obviously that was their winter feed stock for those animals that have gone into the shed now. Mm. Their their summer fodder was lost at that time. So the Minister is expecting to announce details of that over the coming days. He's in Korea at the minute. I'm not sure he's going to be uh, ringing home with the details, but those farmers at least given the, the, the assurance that something is on their way for them because fodder is expensive and the fact that they had their own fodder washed away, they do really need a, a bit of help to cope with that. Of course. And uh, just finally, Katrina, then dairy market uh, recovering there where price is concerned, yeah? Yeah, good news. And this year has been, I suppose, a year of ups and downs. Last year was a you know, very, very high-priced um, milk year. This year we knew it was going to fall. It had to fall, really. But we were kind of constantly being reassured that it would fall for the first half of the year. And then by the third quarter and fourth quarter, it would a floor would come into it. 
unfortunately, dairy farmers saw the, that floor fall. Um, you know, that floor didn't come in quarter three. It might be just coming now in quarter four. So butter prices improved last week. Um, they went up to over €5,000 a tonne on the Dutch market. And the spot price for butter is also up. Um, market for skim milk powder up 16% since August. Uh, so a good, a good reversal of what's there. We're absolutely nowhere going to get back to last year's prices. Um, they were an anomaly, but farmers really do want and need to know that there is a better outlook there for the spring when the cows that are in calf now will start milking again. And just briefly, you mentioned Korea there, and of course uh, there's a deputation out there at the moment, including uh, Charlie McConnell-Logue. Will there be much for, for, for farmers out of that, do you think, Katrina? Yeah, so these trade missions are always very important because they they give, let's say, a kind of a feeling of, of import to the food producers that accompany them. So they typically go with, with ministers. Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, does several trade trips every year. The one to Korea is particularly, I suppose, uh, heavyweight, as it were, because you have more than just the Minister for Agriculture travelling. Um, uh, governments like to meet governments, mm, you know, yeah. and, and that trickles down. Then there'll be a lot of trade meetings. There will be a lot of contact made um, for follow-up and the key one that, that Charlie McCullough will be pursuing will be access for Irish beef uh, and Borbia always goes on these trips as well and their focus is, is across the sectors, dairy, beef and pig meat ahead of this trade mission. Very interesting indeed. Katrina, thanks for your time. Lovely to talk to you as always. Thank you. Good morning to you. Thanks, friend. That's Katrina Morrissey there. Katrina, of course, is a temporary woman, needless to say, but uh, Deputy Editor for the Farmer's Journal. And the journal is on your shelves right now. That's it for me. Uh, Emma produced Ali, looks after our content. Davin is on the way with the Time Tunnel on the Lunchtime Show. And I will speak to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.